Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Everybody hey, hey, Get in your places. We finna hear some of the Quiet on the sex. <laughs> Quiet on the sex. Most exclusives and shit. <laughs> hey man. Well, first of all, welcome back to the 85 South. Hey. Um I feel like we TV one today. Cause we so uh behind the music. Oh man, behind, you see how I said behind TV the music, yeah, behind man. the boards. Behind all of that. We got a real yeah. one in here today, Clayton, man. I'm talking about this man Two got a years. hit record for every letter in the alphabet. <laughs> and, and not, Literally. Yeah, and, not just, and it's not just one. No, 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 no. It's hits. Hits. Like that hit hard. You need one, though. You ain't got nothing with disease. I'm, I'm working on that. Okay, okay. You're right. I wrote one called Zanzibar the other day just because I was like, I ain't got no Z. All right, let me finish that, this intro. You're right about that. That's crazy. Hold on. I got to finish the intro. Okay, I got to know you. I got to Google Zanzibar. Come on. <laughs> Over 100 million records sold. One of the coldest niggas in the music game ever. Produced for Michael Jackson. Uh, TLC. All your favorite. All the music with some black people in it. He had something to do with it. Whether he did or not, he had something to do with it. All the music with some black people in it. He had something to do with it. All that shit to jail. All the shit that went, the shit that you love, your mama love, the people after love. <laughs> he got a hit for everybody in the house. For the kids. The- they got a hit for every bump on your face. Come on. <laughs> Watch your face, nigga. <laughs> None other than Mr. Dallas Austin. Come on, man. Hey. We can say a, we can say a lot more, and that still wouldn't be enough. They still yeah, that was amazing. They still wouldn't get it, dog. The impact, bro. Everybody who has come on this show and sat on this couch has brought your name up. I've been seeing that, man, and that's when I was like, like, damn, that's like, um, even from, of course, Gip and then Buster, and then I, I was like, I want to go on that show. 
I was like, how I get on there? And then I started texting y'all on Instagram. But shit, here you go. <laughs> Don't act like it's hard when it's you. Yeah. 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 You could have showed up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Niggas would have rallied up. Hey, I would have came and got you. I love this show. It's one of my favorite shows, though. Oh, my. I'm finna crash shit. I'm gonna crash shit. No, but I'm finna shit. You, like, when it comes to Atlanta and the influence and making what the landscape what it is, man, you have definitely was one of the people who had the foresight to look at the city and say, this is that, this is what it's gonna be, this is what it could be. And man, we, it's just an honor to have you in here with us, for real. It's an honor to be yeah. here, bro. Like, it's been crazy, it's been a long time. Um, coming from College Park, and then looking around now to even like, you know, passing. The things you can do in Georgia is why I stay in Georgia. You know, because I'm the only me here, for one. If I go to California, I'm another producer, right? Yeah. But, I, you know, we, we started this thing. We started out running the Greenbrier, going skating the Jelly Beans, um, dressing the kids from another bad creation at the mall while we were just doing records, like just trying to, uh, then Organized Noise had, they had their uh, studio inside Jelly Beans, right? So I'll go there and go skating and be playing the records I'm working on. And then they had an actual studio that they gave them inside the skating rink. So that's what Organized Noise, because they were dancing, like most of them was dancing in guests, dancing in some of the dance crews, uh, Pat and Rico. Um, and then, yeah, they ended up having a, when I first saw Rico Wade, it's crazy. Cause he's the first one I ever seen with a dope boy phone, like one of them phones that was in the bag, in the yeah, bag, the like the big the bag. Man. Yeah, he's standing up in the skating rink on the phone. I'm like, what is that? I I'm wonder like, who he was talking to. <laughs> it had to be somebody on the house phone. He wasn't talking to nobody. That was right. the crazy part. Didn't nobody else have one. You couldn't even really hear shit. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy how everybody, you know, Atlanta, we seeded it, you know. Yeah. So to see us all grow and all of us um, do what we've been doing, it's just been amazing. So, so the studio what was, was in the skating rink. Organized Zones, yeah, their first studio was in Jelly Beans. I want to ask you this, like, what was it like, what did you see in Atlanta that early to make it seem, you know, to, to what it is today? That, like, all the talent that's in this city, like, you it was crazy cause, tapping um, into it early. Everybody was just, like, when I met J.D., we were, like, 17, I think. Um, I met him at a, at a car wash. I knew of him because of, the, uh, like, um, Silk Times Leather, some of the other stuff he had going, but... Um, yeah, he was like in a little white Herbie Lovebug get up because he was like, you know, going through the sometimes leather phase. Um, <laughs> I was going in the, in the mental BBD phase. And it's crazy how we lived around the street from each other then. Now we live around the street from each other in Sandy Springs. But it started off in this college park and me going to his house, making beats at, at his crib before we even did TLC. Um, no, before we even really did another bad creation and all that. Let me um, tell you my another bad creation story. My teacher took my ABC tape and kept it the whole school year. <laughs> I'm talking about I had that shit when it was the time to have it. I'm talking about I had it early enough to stunt. And then I used to just play the instrumental and just, you know, the instrumental was on the other side. Because I had it in school and she was hating. No, she wanted, she was she wanted to listen to that. Man. I'm telling you, that's what that was. She, she, was, like, was, she was big hating because I had the cassette, I mean, single. Yeah, ABC was huge. They didn't realize that they blew up before Boys the Men. Um, and so when they were going to Linux and people start freaking out, they would just start crying because they were like five years old, five to nine and 13, 12. So they, they would start crying. Yeah, because they were freaking out of people running at them. Yeah, that's a lot for a kid. Imagine your five-year-old being Lil Dave on ABC. You know, imagine your seven and your eight, nine-year-old being Red Mark and GA being about eleven. So like, these are kid kids. The bitches that was coming at it was probably grown too. Full-grown titties. Come here, (laughs) baby. No. 
I can't even get two Nintendo tapes. Not all this. That was cold. Yeah. They don't never get the credit they deserve, bro. Jealous girl? Yeah. It was big. I mean, you know, like I said, they were big before Boys of Men, and, they, and Boys of Men was opening for, for another bad creation. They were like a phenomenon. Hold up, what? Boys of Men was opening for another bad creation. Yeah, but the kids took off. They took off fast because of, you know, the being Aisha, and I made them a little poison. So it made them just be cool. It made them from God be road. Made them like. But then, you know, when I first saw the kids, they were like, they had them in like the drop crouch, like the hammer pants, like the, because um, they were trying to be like new addition, right, you know, doing right. the Annie Harbick. I was like, nah, man, we got to make them a little BBD. And we just start flipping them, you know, and so it was so exciting when kids saw it, it, it just caught on like wildfire. Because the shit they were saying in the song was little kids, we play Nintendo. <laughs> Yo, that shit you was doing. <laughs> you like, like <laughs> had us thinking these little niggas was just fighting beef in go karts everywhere. <laughs> Was you the yeah. first motherfucker to flip the Indian little flute shit? Yeah, man. That and, was, and I wanted to be in Public Enemy so bad when I was little. Like, Hank Shockley, I used to listen to the Bomb Squad. And, and like, Atlanta, we was trying to find ourselves. We had Kilo, we had, like, Raheem the Dream. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and stuff like that. Maybe SOS Man, Peebo Bryson. But we were, like, the first tipping point of, like, cool young music being able to be made. You know what I'm saying? And it just made it where that, that tipping point, like, even from another bad <laughs> creation up, I knew everybody that's ever made it out of here. That's what's insane, you know. Ludacris, when they had the, they had the show, him and Chris. Chris Love, Love, and Pool Daddy. I funded the first video show for them when they were DJs. And what? they were doing like a video VJ show. Um, like Arnell Starship? It was like, like Arnell Starship, <laughs> but it was supposed to be like Dre and, uh, at, from MTV, yeah, Love and Dre. Um, and so that was even before Chris started rapping. And when he started rapping, he started bringing me his records first um, before he even got to Def Jam, you know. So all of it's like Ciara, Monica's little uh, brother's girlfriend. Hmm. Yeah, this was like all this. Everybody that's not, that's not a person that's from Atlanta that hadn't been through dark because, I, you know, I opened that studio so long ago and then I made it so that it was about having people come in and congregate, come in and work in each room. You can hear, hear what somebody's working on in the lounge so you can make yourself better. And... Um, I always wanted to have the producers where they were, where they were rocking because I was in bad contracts before that, so I yeah. didn't want to do that shit to nobody else. Um, so you always busted down and like opened the whole platform up, man. Like how like how would you say that that impacted all the business? Like because oh. when you you could have just been a star by yourself, but yeah, you literally man. put on two three hundred people. Yeah, it's crazy because <laughs> we didn't even know what we was doing then. I was like, I mean, when I first got rowdy, um, I didn't really want a label. I was just hanging out at Masquerade, I was slam dancing. I was KLF, I was like hanging out with like, I was just alternative as hell. Um, but I was doing, I just did ABC and Boys and Men and all that. And then so when, when LA and Clive came to me, they was like, oh, you should have a label. I'm like, nah, man, I don't want no label, bro. I'm just getting my shit off. Um, but it's like, I'll just make it a division of the face, you know? So I was like, all right, that could be cool. Like, sign the skateboard kids you hang around, sign the rock bands and shit, you know? I'm like, all right, cool. So that's how I started Rowdy. It was, it was one office inside the face. Um, but it was supposed to be the hip-hop label, so to speak, you know, and, and rock label. And then next thing you know, I got full-on staff in New York, 23 staff members. And I'm like, because LA was like, we got to move it. We gotta, if it's a label like that, it need to be in New York. Um, and I was so Atlanta at that point, and I was just like, man, all right. So I would go up to my office in New York, full-on staff, everybody, marketing department, publicity department, everybody. And I just go back to my office, open the window, and smoke a joint. I'd be scared as hell, because I'm like, I'm in New York. We don't mess with, you know, in Atlanta, we're like, we don't mess with these New York niggas. That's how we thought about it when we was around. 
So I wasn't really, you know, I would go up there every day, do the same shit, listen to music, open my window, <laughs> smoke some weed. And one day, uh, one of the a &R ladies, she came in and she said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah. She said, do you like anybody out here? I said, what you mean? She said, you got everybody on pins and needles because they think you don't like the staff because you don't never go talk to nobody. I said, oh, she said, you might want to have a staff meeting. I'm like, what's that? She said, well, everybody get together and you meet everybody. That's how green I was. I was still like. And you got the label. Yeah, I'm full on the president. And I still ain't had a staff meeting yet. But, so, you, but you got so everybody you shook. So they, everybody worried about getting fired. So he won't look at me. But you just going in there. He like never looks at me. Sneaking and smoking weed at your own label. I'm 21. <laughs> like 20, 21 years old. And from you Atlanta. You could have been putting your joint out on somebody's forehead. Right. And, you yeah, and they would have <laughs> took it strong. <laughs> I'm not opening the window at my label. Thank you. I wish the fuck I would crack a window in this bitch. I was like, what are the windows? <laughs> you got to go upstairs and go outside to find that's crazy. Was, my fucking nerves was bad. I was in New York. That wasn't like I'm too cool, like calm. I'm in Atlanta, you know. I'm like, yeah, I'm easy. Walk around with my Birkenstocks and shit on a little five points. I get to New York. That shit was just like everything's frantic and everybody's just going crazy and fast. And so I had to to, to settle into that for a minute. Yeah. And by the time I did get settled in, I did the King and I, did flip mode with Buster. Buster's helped me, helped me settle in a lot. Oh, God. That's how that whole story came about, because I was, like, uncomfortable and hang around anybody up there because I didn't really have no squad. My staff was a staff, so that and was we cool. don't trust New York, man. We don't Man, trust New York, at that point, we just, it, we couldn't. Like, we it was, was, like, if you good with Buster Rhymes in New York, you don't got to hang with nobody. Oh, Yo, yeah. this is the most diabolical motherfucker <laughs> to Yo. ever put his hands on a motherfucking keyboard. And you niggas, <laughs> and you niggas don't want to fucking be around greatness. <laughs> this nigga bites your fucking favorite producer's face off. <laughs> Yo, what's crazy is that he would come to me when we first started. He would come to me in the studios and he'll be like, he didn't want to go solo. It was, it was Charlie Brown that wanted to go solo. He understand he wanted to be in the leaders, but he was getting all the attention. So when he first started, I was like, he played me song after song after song. And everything was just, it was so much. You just couldn't catch it, you know, for a record. And so he would do that all the time, all the time, all the time. And I'm just like, man, that's good, but it's just like jazz, man. And it was like, and then he'll play the records, and I'll be in there nodding off, smoking down Fanto leaves and shit with him. That, that's yeah. too strong for me. That, and then at the end, he will always do this. He will wait until, I'm telling you, 20, 30 records, and then he'll play me Wuha. And I'll wake up and be, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? He played like, the album from the back to the front. <laughs> it, now, then again, now I'm in New York. Every, every time he put out a record from that point, he had to come play records for me and, and get, my, get my pain and shit. So we do it again. I'm in New York. He's playing me song for song. Now I did a little better. You know, they ain't as complicated, but it's still song for song for song. I'm smoking the Fonto leaf. I'm falling asleep again. I'm out. And it goes, do, 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 And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm like, why you made me sit through all the records to get to the one? <laughs> this nigga put you to sleep to wake you up. <laughs> but it was just that. Yo, I got the most evil shit. shit. I'm like, playing last. But that's me after like 20, 30 songs. We do this all night long, man. And then he'll pull that one out. And he'll pull that one out all the time. And so that's how we really, you know, work with him in flip mode. He was like, that's why he was my dog. That's what I was running with. That's who we was coming back and forth to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, that's when we was hanging with Goody Mob and everybody in Atlanta. Man, hey, because we got pieces of the story from different people from them being on the pot, and just to see how, like, dude, it was insane. It ended up being 
Like that's what I'm saying. Every yeah. piece connects back to you. <laughs> you, like, the, you, you, you literally did everything. You first. the template. That's why you I was watching them going, "Oh shit, that was then. Oh shit, that Even was then." Even ridiculous shit. Oh that, shit, that was that was saying so shit like, "Yo, Dallas Austin, first nigga <laughs> that wear biker shorts." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> hey, I remember hey. that nigga came up to Greenbrier. <laughs> the nigga had on some biker shorts and he had his motherfucking tank top tucked in. Like, so Dallas, that's what we doing? He was like, "Yeah," and everybody did it. Dance after that. <laughs> Bruh, everybody did it. Then they say that you was just showing up to this niggas like, who wants some? And we'll just start dancing, <laughs> taking niggas' girlfriends and skating backwards and shit. You ain't heard this part of the story. It's a, another side of the game. Yeah, niggas credit you for everything. And they're like, like look, Dallas also invented Lemon Pepper Wings, nigga. <laughs> it was Usher's ninth birthday. <laughs> The nigga showed up with lemon juice and pepper and said, put it on the way. But on some real shit, you, you literally deserve at least an exit in Atlanta, bro. You did so much shit first. I'm trying to get a street of a statue while I'm living. I'm Come on, what? Shit I'm Let's, that's what we're waiting on. This is not an interview. We just came to, we wanted you to come. So nigga, this is really the statue plan reveal. This is all this is about. We appreciate everything you telling us, but we know. You the shit already. Bro. Oh, we man. just wanted you to come in this bitch so we could be like, nah, we selling this bitch for a million dollars. Yeah. Dennis Austin came in here. He sat on this couch. Man. Play me some pimping, man. This is my nigga J.O. ain't here in the music business. If you want to change that nigga life, that's up to you. Come on, man. The nigga cold, bro. Come on, man. Man, the nigga cold. We need, we need. I ain't want to really like start off playing no shit. I know you be playing. You Where like that? one of the coldest making music. You probably ain't want to hear shit, but like some silence and some claps. But no, we got some, some nice day. instrumentals and shit. Now, if we was gonna make this a hit record, what would you do to this? Uh-oh. I mean, we gotta oh. for you to actually- Hey, they gotta, hey, they gotta pay for this portion. I'm this saying, shit is special. On this we, can't, we can't necessarily pay you to do it, but if you was gonna do it, really, what would you do really, to it? Really, on that, it's about who you put on it and what they do on top of it at this point. I got, I'm, I'm about you know to call Anthony Hamilton. Oh yeah, oh, he kill it. I'm putting him on there he first kill of all. It, kill it, kill it, that's, that's, you hit it right that's in the dope. head though. For some reason, I want Lizzo on here. I just want her opinion. <laughs> I want her perspective on this. You put Anthony and Lizzo on the same track. Okay. Okay. And let me see. They, they ain't never heard that. Yeah. Cause they can sing both of them now. And you got a track rocking anyway, so that'll be like something nobody ever heard before. Hey man, you was working with one of the probably the best musician in the history of the world. When I say that I'm talking about Michael Jackson, man. How hard was it to produce music for Michael Jackson? Oh man, that shit was so crazy, bro. Um when I first when I when I first started to work with him, uh, then he he would show you stuff like he would beatbox it. <clears throat> like I got I, I still that shit got, had to be cold as fuck. I still got beatboxes of him because he'll go in the room and be like, that's on something like this. And he goes straight to the mic and like, like a nigga it, it in jail. Like it sound like all the other kind of Michael Jackson records you heard. Bro, but why you can you just like drop some of that on Instagram or something? Yeah. Just to, man, Michael Jackson. Yeah, beatboxing. Man. man, that shit gonna get auctioned yeah. off at the Louvre. <laughs> Nigga. We got Michael Bet Jackson beatboxing tapes. Can I get 100,000? 100,000. We got 100,000. Can we get 140,000? 140,000. They're going to sell that shit. Let, at least yeah. let me see it. What's well, 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 crazy, though, is um, <laughs> I got so many crazy stories with him. When I um, we started working on the project, I saw Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And when I saw them, I walked right past Michael. I was like, Jimmy Jam, oh shit. 
I grew up on, I, I, I wanted to be in the time. You know what I'm saying? I know you're not playing Get It Up. I was on the like, he had to be like, oh yeah, that's Michael. I'm like, Michael, how you doing? Like, yo, Jimmy Jam. Oh, see you? So, <laughs> so, so Mike was over so there. I feel like Michael, oh, Michael didn't think I was hyped enough on him, right? So he commenced to taking us to this, to this little, like, like, you know, where you have your, when you're recording a long time in the studio, you have your own room with your records and all your shit in it. He just started putting in videotapes. And he was the first one wearing a mask. He had the mask on and hat on. And he started putting on tapes. And it was like, this is me and Charlie Chaplin. So it's him and Charlie Chaplin dancing together. He had to integrate. Yeah, he did video integration. Wait a minute, bro. Right? Oh, I was about to say, nigga. What I think the it's on the smile. It's on, and yeah, it's on, it's, I think it's on the smile, uh, on the smile thing he put out, right? But that's how I'm feeling. I'm like, God damn. And then he'll be like, Oh yeah, this is me when I was in Africa and everybody, uh, uh, you know, 300,000 people trying to get in and 300,000 people inside. Look at this. I'm watching it and like, Michael, Michael. And every time he put another tape, I just start being like, shit. That's him. You know what I'm saying? That was the nicest and it was way working. of saying, don't ever try me it like that. It was working because then. <laughs> no, no, this, this That's is what That's crazy, Mike. This is what killed me right here. So then. He, <laughs> don't ever get it fucked up. This, this is what I'm took me over the top. Him. I'm him. He, I am he, him. At, he, he put a video in, right? And he's sitting at this piano and he's singing, I'll be there. It's kind of like the round, like, you know, before, after the remember the time stuff, right? Yeah, tank top on ponytail, curtains are going, and he's singing, I'll be there at this piano, right? I'll be there. And then he keeps hitting another, I'll be there in the background. He keeps looking over his shoulder. He starts singing again. And he look over his shoulder again, and it's little Michael standing there in a little brown outfit with the afro. And I look, and he looked back at him, and then both of them come over and start singing the song. He's sitting next to him. And by that time, I was just like, Ooh, shit. How did you do that? Right? And he said, that's a Pepsi commercial. I was just shot that as a demo. That's something we might use, might not. And by this time, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm through the roof now. He got me. I'm like, that is Michael Jackson I'm sitting next to in here. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. So then I think once he got my attention and then we started working on stuff, he said, that's when he said to me, he said, I did this song this time around. And he goes, you know, um, what, what's crazy is, he sent us to the Museum of Tolerance. I don't know if anybody ever went there before in LA. That was his stimulation around being around him? Uh, 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 that shit was crazy because I didn't know why he sent, why he sent us there, but when you walk to this museum, it calls you names, it shows you everything, you nigga, fat soul, hunky, cracker, all this shit. And you in the same room like, with everybody. And you're walking and you're like, and it's, it's like a disrespectful it's a disrespectful house. house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, nigga. Yeah. It's your stupid uh, ass. And then, you know, it went through the whole Holocaust. So by the time I get back to the studio, I'm like, why did he make us go? That shit was sad. Like, everybody's crying. They're throwing babies out the windows. The Holocaust was going on in there. And they're showing you all the stuff. And he's like, well, he wants you to understand the world, what's happening in the world, because, you know, this, this attack, you know, he feels like it's a world attack, you know. I like how this nigga think he's like if you don't he's know like, what's if going you don't on in the world, you don't, don't be around me. Don't come around here. Yeah, bro. That's crazy. So, so when we started working on the record, he said, "I want somebody to rap on the song, Dallas. I need somebody really good to rap on the song." So I'm thinking, okay, let's get Tretch, you know, because the hip hop raise, it's kind of commercial, it ain't too hard. Then goes, no, 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 I need somebody. I need some somebody harder, like somebody a little bit harder than that. So that's when I said, well, "What about Biggie?" Yeah, like him. I said, okay. So I called Puff. Like, yo, um, Michael Jackson on Biggie to come rap on a song. He's like, shit, he out there now. He out there now, nigga. He on the way yesterday. He left. So, he ain't even here right now. He ain't even here right now. <laughs> so, I'm not here either. This is actually recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Biggie sitting in the car, smoking, outside the studio. 
listening to the song over and over. I mean, over while he's rapping, and he's saying, "Man, damn, damn, this is crazy." He's got to be 19, bro. He's like, "This is crazy. I can't believe I'm sitting in the car with you, writing a song for Michael Jackson. This shit's crazy, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, this shit's, you know." So he started rapping the rap, and you know, uh, listen, I got taps on the phone, motherfuckers making a cop seat. I'm a killer nigga. I ain't joking. Endo smoke got me token, smoking. I'm like, "Oh shit, I don't know. That might be too much." <laughs> he gave you a biggie verse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what he said one more time because I know you know it. That's how it's told. We never. When he said I'm a killer nigga, I ain't joking. Endo smoke got me choking. I was like, okay, um, I don't know, but let's <laughs> let's go and let's like, let, let's let him hear it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I was Michael's gonna say, you know what? I don't know if I could say this. I don't know if I could say that. I don't know. I mean, his shit is going down. He hears that shit and he goes, oh my God, I love it. That's exactly what I want to say. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> See, Mike wanted somebody to say all the shit he couldn't say. He couldn't say. That's just hot as fuck. <laughs> and you know, he didn't cuss. So he'd be like, doodoo head gorilla. That's what, that's what, that's what he called it? Oh, yeah. if it's- that was his I, shit. I would complain to him. What about, is that? I, 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 I would complain to him about the engineer sometimes. Like, yo, man, this engineer, he acting shady, man. And, oh, he's horrible. He's stinky. Such a stinky man. He's horrible. <laughs> he's such a stinky monkey. No, stinky man. He's oh. such a stinky man. He's horrible. He's stinky. That's horrible. But he would not say cuss words. He didn't like anybody that said like cuss words either. He wouldn't even fuck. No, look, okay, this is my crazy. last good story for you. I'm sitting in the studio one day, like this, right? Don't let it be the last. And then the, the, he said, Well, Dallas, you know, I, I built hospitals in Africa and I did all this great stuff, but look what the United States says. He showed me a, a, a newspaper. It says, Michael Jackson thinks Africa stinks because he got his hand over his hand over his nose. He had his mask <laughs> on. <laughs> and he said, So I got some friends coming by um, today that's just coming from Africa to pay homage, right? And I promise you exactly what I'm about to tell you. It happened just like this. First Secret Service shows up. Looking out, then these girls start coming and dropping red rose petals on the on the floor, right? Yeah, dropping red right. petals on that the floor. That shit amazed him. And then he couldn't hold that in. That came, they came out automatically. Exactly like coming to America. <laughs> they come in. They got the lion head on. The, like the king and the queen have showed up, and they came and say, "Michael, we all seen there like what the fuck." Michael, we come to thank you for what you've done. You've done such a good job in Africa with the schools and with the hospitals and with the this and the other. And we just had to come over and give you a gift. So I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, and uh, after they left, I, I mean, every day we would look around like, like say if we're sitting in this room, right? You know, all of a sudden a red streak will go by. And then you look at me like, did you just see that? I'm like, did you see that shit? I'm like, damn, that's Michael. Well, pew, pew. And red shirt, red streak. So I feel like he was like, he, he he was magical. He was, he, he, was, he was like, he was that fast. Wait a minute. Oh, he was, he, wait a minute. Hold <laughs> up, bro. Hold up, bro. You tell the story way too fast. Wait a minute, man. So you're going to sit here and tell me Michael Jackson was magic and then just want me to just. It's magical, man. It was like. So he could literally just. <laughs> the monkey was there going crazy one day. We're in the lounge. The monkey just flying everywhere. Because Michael wasn't in there, right? And me and my man just like, what the fuck? This monkey going crazy. Michael comes in the room, this dude jumps up on him and puts his thumb on him. I looked at us like nothing ever happened. With his thumb in his mouth on Michael like this. And I was like, what the hell? That little monkey was going crazy. He walks in, everything goes calm. He draws, he paints. Like, if you see some of the paintings Michael Jackson has done, they look like, did Picasso do this shit? Like, he was just, he was incredible. He was insane. People, I think, have seen one part of him, but not like the art yeah. and all oh, the business mind. His business mind was incredible. It's crazy. Dallas, wait a minute. You saying he could just. Over there. Like, I, over there. Me and you will look at each other and say, did you see that? 
Me and my engineer, they were this. You see that? So he didn't really walk. Just over there. Just yeah, like, I don't know if he was gliding. There. I don't know what he was doing. I just know I saw a streak. That nigga glowed. <laughs> but he was, I mean, after, after all that stuff he was showing me, I, I, I was super impressed at just everything. Of course, he's Michael Jackson. Bruh. Man. I'm fucked up right now. Because <laughs> all the shit that I've ever heard people say, <laughs> nobody ever mentioned that part. Nobody tell the real shit, man. Man, I got to get my life together because I don't want motherfuckers to think I was just out here walking around. <laughs> I don't, man. <laughs> not a walk around ass nigga. <laughs> yeah, 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 pick up the pace. <laughs> How did he get from place to place? Nigga, you just heard yeah, what he said. Space, he, and not, he said, that nigga over there. Over there. there. Back over there and over there and ain't nobody. You be like, did you see that shit? Did yeah, you see that shit? shit? <laughs> exactly. You didn't see him walk over there. No, you, you didn't see him <laughs> run over there. You saw. He basically just told us Michael Jackson was an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> he lives inside of all of our hearts. Well, he ain't gone. He was never here. He was never here. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. This is home I'm too high for this. You know they was in there eating wings and shit. Dallas, I don't know. What do you think of this one? He had a food That's tester. Lemon pepper. Yeah. He had a food tester, bro. He had a food tester. They'll make that food and somebody else test it first. Man, Man, this was the most important know. person there ever was. <laughs> I'm out here eating food by myself. <laughs> I got to have the first bite. <laughs> I would be dead to the motherfucker. I don't feel an important word for fuck. <laughs> Whatever I thought I had going on with this little operation, Michael Jackson wouldn't approve of. <laughs> but he might fuck with it, though. Uh-huh. Like, I might have this goddamn cussing. He might, though. He might like it. He would love the show. He would? Yeah. That's so crazy. real. Yeah. I knew he was a real one. I didn't even know you had heard about it. Well, yeah. Y'all like, y'all, what you think? Y'all ain't large? No, it ain't that. We're just so humble. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the South, man. We, yeah. we knew it wasn't shit. I saw y'all was down in Columbus. I'm like, y'all live in Columbus, Georgia when I saw that? Yeah. They love us down there. They gave, that's what we was performing in that haunted-ass theater. Oh, yeah. I, saw, I had to get away from down there. Yeah. So we went down there and did the spot did nobody want to do the show at. And then they was like, man, we appreciate y'all for coming down here and fucking with us. Yeah. Yeah, that's your hometown, man. Hometown, man. Columbus. Yep. Me and Kim Porter. Me and Kim Porter's in, in kindergarten together down there. What? Frank Thomas. All this from the high school. The big hurt. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, man. Columbus is crazy because it's its own consolidated government. You know, Gibbs is open to get goodies down there. Um, yeah. Big up to Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go. Um, but it's, it's, it's its own consolidated government, so it don't really abide by Georgia laws because of Fort Benning. Yeah. So my dad used to run the, the segregated parts down in Columbus when in the late 60s, like when Ike and Tina Turner and James Brown, all those people would come to town. They had to perform at my dad's place and stay at the little party houses. And then on this block, it'd be like prostitution houses. It would be like with a game and then all the black uh, military guys would come down there to hang out. Oh, it sounds fun. That money. It sound all fun. the politicians. Spend that Damn, money. Spend that money. Good fish sandwiches. Gucci, good. Pussy, <laughs> pool, good music. Good. I just saw Tina Turner got my dicks up. And a Budweiser and a fish sandwich. What more can you want? That big hamburger was two dollars. Less than that, probably. Dollar and a half. 
That was black man favorite number back then. You can get you a, you can get you a big ass burger, a plate of fries, and a drink for a dollar head. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my mom's restaurant. <laughs> So my restaurant. Oh yeah, she had a soul food restaurant down there called Ma Bell's. And then Kim Porter, uh, grandmother had one on the other block. So that's, it was just nothing else to do. That, but that was after all the, all the prostitution days left and it was just like politicians and... And y'all was pimps. making money the right way, but... I was yeah. trying to get the hell out there. I couldn't take it no more. I was like, it was, it was just, it's Columbus, so it ain't no hope down there. You right. know? When I go down there now, I'm like, we gotta put some hope in this motherfucker. Can we put a factory or can we put like a a film studio or something down here because this shit is depressing because it's, it's still buildings there that, that was there when I was there 30 years. It's like when I was little and they still got, they got moss on them with the same names, Bud Johnson's Barbershop. Or like, you know, so there ain't been no like hope and no development down there. So I've been, been trying to see how they could push something to, to get those people down there something. That's why yeah. I was asking if, if you went and how was it, you know? I ain't getting mad they ain't love, get no man. entertainment. Mad love down in Columbus, man. Yeah. Especially down there at After Five, man. They've been doing comedy at uh, at After Five, the sports bar down there, Doodle Brown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they got a they got a live live yeah. comedy scene. They show a lot of love when we do anything down there. Let me go down there, get you a house down there. How much house is that? <laughs> Shit. About seventeen thousand dollars. Seventeen thousand. Buy a couple of blocks and we do it. <laughs> they old though, they stupid houses. They be like one yeah. and a half bathrooms, and then you get like two and a half bedrooms. You gotta, what the fuck is the half bedroom? <laughs> half bedroom. That's when the beds that come out the wall. Yeah, the kitchen and the living room. As soon as you walk in the house, you're already in the kitchen. Uh, but now, if there's some shit down there, like he said, then them houses that wasn't shit, the what? value gonna increase. Right. What, the people it, gonna need it now. If it's a factory, if it's some shit. If it's something, they, they'll right. have some hope down there. When I, when, that's yeah. why, you know, Drumline was about me being in the Columbus High School marching band. That's what that's about. Shout out to Nick Cannon, Come too. On, yeah, what up, Nick? Come um, on, yeah. What made you pick Nick? Yeah. Because Nick, when we were doing the movie, it, you, you're trying to find characters that's close to you and how you were at that time. You know what I'm saying? And they get a movie a whole different perspective. Now. Yeah, it was a high school story. You know, Zoe said I was down to play Kim. I mean, Kim was Zoe basically kind of when we was growing up because she's like my best friend. Um, but she played Bells. Um, and so when I, when I told the story to Fox, I, was just, I just pitched it one day. I was young. So I was like, man, I don't know. I got a movie idea. You know, it's a musical. You know, what about a marching band? It was like, oh, that's like the Macy's Day Parade marching bands? I'm like, no. Nah. And I came and filmed about a little bands. I went back and showed it to him like, like this. They're like, what is that? And they're playing a lead. So I was like, uh, and I just told him my story while I was in there. I was like, yeah, it's about this kid that couldn't read music in the marching band. Really, my brother, uh, he was in the marching band first, and he was the section leader, right? So by the time I went into coming in as a freshman, he was leaving out as a senior, and everybody was waiting on my ass to come in. You know what I'm saying? Because he was section leader. So now the new section leader would rough me up. They wanted, that's why you got the, the problem with doing the movie. Brian, but I was so good because I, he would bring the drums home every day. You know what I'm saying? We, I would practice with his, march, with his drum line all the time as a kid. So I just knew all my shit. I was so by the time I got to uh, marching band, I played better than everybody, but I couldn't read shit. I still can't read shit. You can't read music? Oh, hell no. My nigga, you live it, though. Hell no. You live music. They asked me to do this thing one time for Quincy Jones. They said, Quincy Jones wants you to be the music director for this thing they're doing in um, Washington, D.C., and you want you to MD the band. I'm like, all right, cool, ain't no problem, I can do that. Yeah, man, I'm like, Dallas, who, who, I gotta who, have Who's you. the band? <laughs> like, who, 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 who's the band? I show up, it's damn Herbie Hancock, wow. Greg Filling Gaines, uh, 
uh, like a Bobby McFerrin. Uh, <laughs> he was just making all his and, instruments. And it was a tribute to him, and it was like all these great musicians. And I'm like, I cannot read, they don't know, I cannot read music. How am I gonna tell these people what to play? So, I, so I'll be like, one, two, three, they go into the song. Then the Herbie Hancock said, oh, let's go to G7 minor major. I was like, okay, one, two, three. <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> and when they start playing, my ear's good enough that I'll pick up, I'm in there. Ah, uh, now we got it, let's go, we can play. We can play Thriller, let's go, no, 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 yeah, yeah, we change it again. Oh, now, what if we played that in like C major? Let, bring it down 12 steps. I'm like, all right, ready? One, two, three. <laughs> hold on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I said 12, man. <laughs> Shit. It went to the very end when I looked over and told Herbie Hancock after it was all over and done and all this shit. And he was having a jam section. And it turned, I was turned, because I was turning the sheet music when I was playing. Like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on. So you went through the whole book on one song? <laughs> yeah, man. I used to do that shit in the marching band, the drum line. I was doing the same shit in the morning. In the first period band. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> and dude looked over there and said, Dallas ain't reading the music. I'm like, ah, that's in the section. He was like, you got to read the music. Can you read the music? I'm like, man, read that shit. Yeah, of course not to play that shit. Right. Well, let's play. You hook up and You put that sheet music in front of me. That's Japanese. That shit just like, <laughs> So, yeah. That's crazy. So I still can't read, yeah. I yeah, don't learn, bro. You've been Do successful. not learn, man. Yeah, learn now. how to read that shit. Is <laughs> Anybody <laughs> try to teach you to learn that shit, slap the shit out of your shit. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> nah, because your shit work. You, All you, these flat-ass cards. Some motherfuckers just see that shit and know how to, I don't know, brains work crazy. Exactly. Like, your computer different, bro. So, Damn. old nigga boys, listen, whatever that shit is, <laughs> you got it. You understand that? Don't learn how to read that shit, man. You already good. I ain't never learned how to read shit, and hey, look where I am. Hey, <laughs> look at what it did for me. A hundred million. That's when people used to go to the record. <laughs> That's damn straight, too. That's real talk. What do you say when you told him you couldn't read the music? He's like, we knew, man. I said, we no, knew. no. He, he was like, what you mean you couldn't read the music? And I was like, I can't read none of that. And he just started laughing. He's like, well, you did a great job. I just got through it. You know what I'm saying? I had to do that with Prince one time, too. Like, Hold up, bro. Wait a minute. Just hold up. Hold on, man. Wait, wait. Oh, no, because you're not about to fuck me up again. He got to. You can't, you can't, hold you up, can't. Hold up, welcome back to the 85 South Show. If you don't know. This is Mr. Dallas Austin. He has had the most awesome life that a black man has been allowed to have. I'm telling you, man. He has set the this standard. Man, bruh, whatever you do or not, this man already did. The young producer in Atlanta with the popping ass place in the studio. Hold up, before you, before you tell man. that story. You used to park your car in the principal spot? Yeah, MD Collins. Because I was so what happy. What kind of car was it? It was a white BMW 528. That's so disrespectful. Because the principal could Damn. never have one. The, the principal was place. pulling up in a Yugo. Okay, you don't even know what that but, is. But check this out. Because I saw Rico Way with the phone, right? So I got this car. Now, the car used to smoke like a motherfucker. It would leave a blue trail of smoke going down the highway. But I just wanted a BMW. It was a diesel. You should have told yeah, everybody it was diesel. That shit was fresh. Looked good. Pulled up in school to it. You know what I'm saying? Girls liked it. So I decided I had to get a phone, though, because Rico had a phone. So I'm like, gotta have a phone in this bitch, you know what I'm saying, to top it off. So 
me and my cousin decided we were going to go steal one. So we go to all, Great the, idea. all the apartments on Godby <laughs> Road and on Riverdale. You go up in there, we're pushing on the windows to see what window. Well, first, you got to see who got a, a phone in the car. They got one. Okay, push the window. Will that crack? All right, let's try it. So first time, and this was, this was bad. I was, I was doing bad things back then on that. Yeah, show. we I, don't condone none yeah, of this we, shit I, now. I, I was, I, I, don't do the Tiger Woods on me. It's like, it's all good. Uh, so I, I took that. the brick right, throw the brick, bam, shit won't break because Mercedes. Mercedes had two ply windows. We didn't know that. So we go back and hide, go back around there, bam, that one didn't break. So then we found a truck, right? This truck got one. Threw it through, bam, here we go, we got it. Get up in there, get the phone. We out here. Next day, I'm like, this shit is dope. And I got to take it to Cartoons so they can hook it up for me. So it'll work, right? So I go to Cartoons. I pull up in there. I told homeboy, I said, yo, man, I need to get my phone hooked up. He said, okay, no problem, no problem. He come and looked at it. So I got the phone in the base, the, just the phone. He goes, where, where's the rest of it? I said, what you mean? He said, all the stuff that go in the trunk, the base, you know. He said, you know, the whole system is in the trunk. You just got the phone right here. So I'm like, oh, shit. Said, Where'd you get that phone from? And I was like, oh, my uncle gave it to me. He said, well, tell your, he said, tell your uncle you need the rest of it. Because <laughs> that shit ain't going to work. That's just the phone. So from that point, I just double stick glued that shit in the car. And every time I pull up to the crystal. <laughs> I thought the story was over. No, no, it gets even better. I'll pull up that school like this and that motherfucker parking in the principal spot on that oh. fake ass phone. Just like, put that bitch just looking hard, bro. And then I worked in the jewelry store oh. in, in the mall at the, at the time. You know, Intrigue, they used to have all the gold chains, right? And um, so what I would do is, you know, don't do this at home. This ain't good for y'all to go do, all right? But don't get no tips. What I would do is I would put the chains in the garbage, right? Take the trash out. So then I have my dudes from school from MD Collins, like Bear and all them would show up. Don't say their name. Oh, okay. Sorry about that, Bear. It's, it's probably... I don't know. Bear, 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 but I would go to school with all this gold on. I would take it all of my arms. I had like jewelry all of my arms, chains all on. I would have a black long coat on, some uh, holy jeans and some football cleats, right? And my keyboard would be in a, in a, in a, in a bag instead of my books. You was way the fuck out. So, I was so what I would do is just sell them bitches at school like all day long. Like here, get $100 for a herringbone? I got you, $100 all day long. I'm taking McDonald's checks all day. And I got now I got a stack and that's how I end up having a BMW and, and just kind of like starting to get my first keyboards and stuff up here. But don't do that at home, but I had to get that jury. Bro, you've been an entrepreneur hey, your whole life. Hey, man. That's, that's, that's a genius-ass plan. This motherfucker was doing some thievery <laughs> shit. He probably replaced the shit with fake necklaces, too. I like was a doing real jewel too. thief, nigga. This I nigga think if you was on, if you was on Old National, <laughs> where the shit used if to you, be. If you was ever on Old National and Godby Road, and that was your stomping ground, then you was just doing devious shit. It wasn't nothing else to do but try to do some music and do some devious shit down in there. Hold up, you act like we're going to ignore the fact that you was just wearing football cleats every day. <laughs> ain't never played football. <laughs> it was just a thing. You know, in Atlanta, you had a little part that back then. Like, so me and Divine Stevens would be in, in, uh, at Vogue, right? And instead of wearing polo, we wanted to look like the polo man. You know, so we got the cardigans and you had your, your boots and the boots tucked in. You come to school with the whip, the turtleneck on and the blazer. You just they skip the class. You just stand out in the hallway. So when everybody out there, then that's when you start dying the tree torns to match uh, the tree torn sweaters. 
So everybody just start going out to, to Linux and, and stealing <laughs> shit and taking it back to get some get some better shit. See, and that school just fly out. Lakeshore, me and Devon used to be out there, hair up, Willie wear to death, like Willie wear long coats and like just fly out, just being, you know. <laughs> In the hallway. A lot of was like that. You said to act out the whole part <clears> or whatever. What? Bring the tennis racket to school with the tree torrents and the tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> So motherfuckers don't know where the shit. If you if you get it, he done done it, bro. This nigga say he want to dress like, like the, the polo, polo man, <laughs> not the sh- not. I don't want to dress like what they put on the mannequin. I want to put what's here. You already bought the polo, bro. You making me think I've been facing this whole life shit wrong. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we reevaluate everything. Nigga. I have never thought that, huh? Oh, we going back to Prince. This was all leading up to that. Oh, okay, okay. Please don't leave that out. <laughs> okay. That's the one. Bring that back. Oh, yeah, so Prince. So I grew up on Prince. Like, I, everything I've ever done, all the music I've ever made, I would just sit and learn Prince records over and over and over and over. And I copied the address to page, I mean, off the back of a Warner Brothers record when I was like eight. I sent the demo to Warner Brothers off the back of a Prince record. They eight sent, years old? Yeah, they sent I me mean, it was horrible. It was like Casio. Uh, I just copied that shit and mailed it. And they mailed back, we do not accept unsolicited material. But I had Warner Brothers letterhead. So I was like, Mom, look at this. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got this from Prince, you know. I was thinking I got it from Prince. I didn't know too much about Warner Brothers. So then as I, you know, fast forward through my life, as I started doing TLC, um, and I would do interviews and say stuff about Prince, you know, like I grew up on Prince. So one day he tells me in L.A. Reed, come to Paisley Park. He had just finished building Paisley Park. And, and he had changed his name to the symbol. And, you know, he was early on the Internet. Um, and so we go there, and I see him walking down this long corridor. And I'm like, holy shit, that's him. I'm like, the, the, my idol. Like the, and he's walking. He's got this cane. He's, like, got this pimp walking. He's coming down this corridor. He keeps so coming, he was coming. actually walking. Oh, he was walking. He okay. had a cane, but he was pimp walking. And he pulled up on me, and he just put the cane in my face like this and said, Michael Jordan should make his own Nikes. And I was like, huh? <laughs> that's that was the first thing he said to you. The very first thing my idol ever said to me. But then he goes, come here. And now I'm just like, now we're going to like Wonka Land. He takes me in a, in a room with all these clothes and he's like, see everything in here? We make all of that. It's all mine. We make everything in house. Everything's in house. See this? Got to make your own stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. He says, see, I'm telling you, Michael Jordan should have made his own Nikes. I'm like, all right, cool. So then we go in another room. He's sitting at the, at the, at the console singing Bet You By Golly Wow. He just sits down and starts singing Bet You By Golly Wow. And he's putting himself in different harmonies. and har- I'm just sitting there looking at this dude. It's insane. He gets up. Boom. Come on, let me show you this. And he's walking me around Paisley Park, showing us all the stuff. Right? So he goes, you know what, man? I'm going to do a concert for you. Because I was just talking about all his songs, and I know every record. Sister Party, Uphead, all the, everything, B-Sides. Um, and so he's like, you come back tonight, I'm going to do a concert for you. I'm like, shit, okay. So me and L.A. Lee, we come back later on that night. We go into what is like the glam, I mean, the big studio he has, like in Graffiti Bridge. And so now he's called about maybe 25 people um, from being on the Internet at that time. You know, he had this whole glam slam thing. So it's just us sitting there. And all of a sudden, lights go off, boom. Smoke comes off. He's on a moving sidewalk playing 1999. He's coming in this moving sidewalk, lights, band, full on concert, right? So I'm like, whoa, shit, you know? Then he starts to go, boom, what do you want to hear next? And I'm like, she's always in my hair. He goes, one, two, three, four. What do you want to hear next? Um, Raspberry Beret. Like, one, two. Like, he would go into him that fast, like, with his band, right? 
So then he goes and starts jamming and he starts playing this song I did called Black People on the Highland Place Monsters record. D-Nice played it the other day. Thank you, thank you, D-Nice, by the way. Shout out to D-Nice. Shout out to D-Nice. Love you, D-Nice. Um, and so and he starts playing this song Black People and he goes, I got one of my favorite producers in the house. Dallas, come to the stage. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not getting on stage with, stage with Prince. Not, that ain't happening. Like, he's gonna outplay you. He always battles people. He always challenges people. Like, he did the shit to Lenny, and I saw what he did to Lenny on that. We called Lenny Kravitz so bad. <laughs> and Lenny started doing the thinking, the kink, and he started <laughs> killing this shit. So I'm like, I'm not going on no stage. Well, a security guard comes down and says, Boss wants you on the stage. I said, No, no, man, I'm good, man. I'm good. He said, No, no, you gotta go. I, I gotta take you to the stage. You gotta tell him you're good. So I'm like, shit. So I keep going, Dallas, come to the stage. <laughs> Dallas, on the mic. Stage. On the mic. Yeah, full on white playing. What's Dallas? Dallas, come to the stage. I'm like, shit. Is he saying it like Prince? Dallas! <laughs> <laughs> Dallas! <laughs> I know his musicians are incredible. They're like, okay, I can play some stuff. I play some instruments. Yeah, but they play all day. That's all they got to do 24-7 is be ready for when Prince say, one, two, three, play this, right? So I'm like, fuck, okay, I'm not going near guitar, that's for sure. So I go with a keyboard guy. He's like, come on, Dad, let's just play it. So now he's playing guitar at the time. So he's thinking the key. No, not cool. I got this. So I go get over the keyboard on. I'm, I'm playing with him like this. Yeah, this is good. I look back for two seconds. I look back over him. This nigga wouldn't put on a big ass keyboard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what are these? Now, the shit you can carry around? Like this. And he comes back to me, come on, get some. <laughs> <laughs> not the key song. <laughs> But it's big. It's like bigger than him. This shit is huge. He just, just wearing my ass out. <laughs> he is fucking wearing my ass out. And this is louder than mine, too. So I'm not standing a chance. So I just turn my shit around. Turn it down. Turn the whole volume off. And go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Killing this shit. <laughs> Yeah, but this I, I, the, I, hey, you're the smartest I, motherfucker <laughs> to ever exist. I got to do that at least one time. Nothing better than going go do stage and jam with somebody. Just turn that shit down and watch how good your shit is. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't worried about making no mistakes. No, you just rocking out. <laughs> you couldn't beat him. But then he came to Atlanta one time. Um, <clears throat> I, I was talking to him on the phone, and when D'Angelo did, how does it feel? I was like, man, you should take your name Prince back. Really? Why? Like, because it's kind of missing. This dude's got the record sound like you. It's kind of make you feel like Prince. You just, come on, man, this is crazy. Because we used to talk a lot of times about masters. I had labels for so long that, you know, that's why I'm like the, the guru of it because I've been through all the fires. You right. know what I'm saying? So I started having an independent record company myself at 20 years old. And from that point on, from that to free world to everything. So that's embedded in, in his head when he talks to me. And he was always Dallas, you know. <clears throat> they own the slaves. When I mean, they own the master, you're a slave, you know. And was, shit, they get $300 million, what are you then? <laughs> like, you know, it's all for either this or that. But he was really headstrong about doing that. So as I'm talking to him on the phone about taking his name Prince back, his fax is coming through free TLC. <laughs> free TLC. And I'm like, is that you? I'm like, yeah, you tell L.A. Reid. Um, you know, when he frees TLC, and I'm like, what does what, this got to do about your name coming back, bro? And he was just like, that's it. You tell L.A.V. this. So then when he shows up this night and he comes to Atlanta to play a Prince concert, I'm like, he can't be playing a Prince concert. You know, he would call and say, guess what? I'm playing a Prince concert. You know? So sure enough, I go down to the concert. Um, 
and he has a room full of people sitting around like this. And he's trying to tell them, make them play his records. Because remember, they banned playing his records. Because when you're at Warner Brothers, when you're at a label like that, worst thing you can do is have a catalog that big and then try to go against them at the end of the day because they're going to beat you with your own catalog. All right? So, right. so w- once he left Warner Brothers and, and caused all the ruckus and said, fuck that, I'm going to go be Prince and the symbol and the sign and all this, they said, okay, go ahead, throw a tantrum. We're going to put out all your shit and it's going to kill everything you're doing. So they put out those B-sides. Remember that set they did had everything on the B-sides, to this, to that, the others. Um, and, but he came back this night trying to get people to play his record. And he had all the radio people in Atlanta sitting in the room like this. So I walk in the room and he goes, aha, now Dallas is here. Now we can really get down to it. So I'm like, get down to what? I'm telling all them, they're slaves in here because they can't play my record. They listen to their masters at the radio station. The program directors are masters and they're slaves. Right, Dallas? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm in Atlanta. I live with these people. I can't, like, I can't be saying no shit like that, you know. Um, and, and so finally, as, but I'm looking at him. I'm like, he got his hair flipped like the, like the Prince cover. And he got the little, uh, you know, khaki raincoat on. And so I keep looking at him like, is he going to pr- be Prince for real tonight and not say nothing? He's going to just kind of keep going off on them like he's going to use. Yo, so you, I got a new record coming out. You can't play my record without your, without your uh, program director, right? And you might be like, well, no, I played a couple times. See, slave, you. <laughs> and I'm just over there like, whoa. <laughs> One guy, he goes, you can't play my record, right? Because I got a new record coming tomorrow. What about you? He says, I got a gospel station. I sing to God. See, slave. Right? So, um, but then he clears it all up. He goes downstairs, and we go to watch the concert. And I keep thinking, if he comes out playing with Uptown, if he comes out with that snare drum, he's going to play this whole fucking print show. Sure enough, he came out with a snare drum. He came out full on Prince, full on uh, trench coat, first guitar, hair, red bandana playing, head, sexuality, all the Prince shit, right? So about halfway through the show, he said, turn the lights up for a second. Turn the lights up. And he goes, you're still going to the master slave thing again. You know, if they own your masters, that makes you a slave. Therefore, I got a new record coming out. And if anybody want to get my record, Dallas got it. Go talk to Dallas. I'm like, what? <laughs> Lights are on, bright light in the house. Got to get it from Dallas. Ticka, 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 ticka. One, two, three, four. <laughs> so I get a dark. Got to get it from Dallas. Dallas <laughs> <laughs> got the music. <laughs> dark was the next day in my studio, bro. It was lines, cars lying down the street, right? The phone's going off all day long, and I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. I have no idea what he's well, talking Dallas, about. Well, Dallas, about this Prince record. <laughs> I called his people. Uh, I said, Charlotte's my assistant. You got to call them and ask them what's going on with this. It's crazy. People will keep calling about Prince. They call him. The boss said, how many pieces you want? One. Yeah. He said, what do you mean how many pieces I want? He said, don't you got a record company, a record store? I said, no, nah, man, I got a record company. That's a different story. I don't have a record store. Oh, he said, oh, he thought you wanted to uh, buy his records and put them on the record store. I said, no, nah, man, but y'all got a bunch of people out here that want to get this shit. <laughs> so I guess we'll put it out, man. <laughs> no, he's, um. He's, you know, we were that he was, he was just the baddest. To me, it was, it was just, he's the baddest person to ever hit the planet. Man, that's the craziest shit that's ever. Friends <laughs> said you got his record. Oh, yeah, like, I'm the record store. So. And didn't tell you shit about. <laughs> I ain't even heard the record. I don't know what he's talking about. This is crazy. You can't even ask him about the record. So, what, yeah. what's over? What record? <laughs> <laughs> You want something from me too, slave? What? <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is this slave shit? Slave. 
<laughs> Remember, he used to have it written on the side of his face. <laughs> Nigga, ask a question. Whatever the answer is. Slave. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I saw a piece of an interview that Tiny did, and she said you told him they sung too loud. What, Escape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, well, no, when they, when they, when they, when, because like when they, they all sung out, you know what I'm saying? Like they all sing, we're singing like full voice for them. So they're saying, I understand or whatever they're saying is full voice. And when we were doing like TLC, things like that, we were just that working. Smooth shit. It, well, it was just different. And they, that's what made them, I think, you know appeal to, to people because they were singing out like that and they had such a, everybody was singing from here, you know, and <laughs> maybe that's why they were getting into it too because everybody was just like singing from here. Usually somebody ain't singing from there. Somebody's softer, somebody's harder, somebody can sing loud, <laughs> but all of them were singing from here. And that, that was just like new in that sense. You know, even in Vogue was singing like softer and like different in the tones than, than Escape, if you listen to Escape stuff. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't just louder. It was like really singing from the gut, which makes you sing louder. Bro, that shit was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is hilarious. Like AT and T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You got the best goddamn outlook on how Atlanta done changed. Like, what's the biggest differences? Ooh, man. Well, you know what's crazy is, like, during the late, during the early 90s and stuff, like, we were going to Jelly Beans and, um, you know, it was always, it was big dope boys back then. Like, the Miami boys was here. Like, and so it was always, like, dope. It was always, like, you know, it was a little, <laughs> little bit crazy. It was always killings and stuff. And, and 
And then we saw Atlanta go through a phase where music kind of came in. And I think people started to say we could do that. And so all that started to change into a whole music focus. Like once I did Another Bad Creation, um, then Jermaine did Crisscross, and then Arrested Development came. We start covering these different spectrums, like of the South, that start making us have our own shit going on. You know what I'm saying? Because we were always like, well, New York ain't accepting us, California ain't accepting us. We got to make our own shit. Um, and that was the first wave of us starting to get like our own amalgamation, because we were pulled from everybody. We like Hank Shockley. We like Dr. Dre. We we weren't scared right. to be like I like everybody. We want to sound like we want to sound like everybody. So it was it was interesting because you know we didn't really know. We just wanted to get to the, we never we just wanted to get to this point at some point you know. Yeah. But first it was about riding around listening to that shit in your car on 285, or like dressing the act, putting the pictures to it, making the music, being like oh shit, and then we just ride out listening to it. Um, and then when people start getting successful. You saw Atlanta change into um, the record, the late, the like lawyers started to get record, everybody started to get record company. They was like, this shit is popping. We need a record company. We need a record company. So it opened up the gates for a lot of talent to go through also. Right. You know? And then New York and LA, they used to call us like, what do y'all know down there that we don't know? What is going on? Like, yeah, y'all got something crazy going on. Like, y'all are selling record records because other people wasn't selling records like that. Like, Lightning and the Marys and New York records, they would do their platinums and double platinums, but we were doing like nine, 10 million records. Um, 10, 12 million records. Like our first thing, if a record was coming out, we'd be like, damn, man, how, we, how many are we going to sell the first week? 500,000 or 700,000? What year is this? 92 up. Shit, like, seven. Yep, 92 all the way up to, to like Napster and, and everything else kicked in because our record range was like, you know, distribution back in the day meant that you had trucks and you had the, the printed from somewhere and the trucks had to take it to Walmart or take it to Tower, wherever it was going. And if you were in different territories, like if you're in London or if you're in wherever you are around the world, it wasn't like now where you can hit a button and it goes everywhere. They had to literally print them up over there and ship them over there and all this, right? So, so the record sales was different. Um, and you were, you know, it was like $20 for an album, $16 for an album. So we were making so much money um, and it was enough for everybody because it was just so much money crammed into that CD cost. Um, back then, and then it wasn't that accessible. So if you sold, you sold. There wasn't no other way to get it, you know. Um, Somebody went to go get that. <clears throat> went to go get Hell it. Hell yeah. So we were selling line. Crazy you record, said that bro. about the shit. I got to go get it. I got to go get it. I got to go get it. I got to get out that there earlier, Tyler. The new, <laughs> got the new guy coming out, I got to yeah. go get that. I got to be out the first one to get it. So, it, you know, seeing that transformation, and then we went through where uh, we were selling so many records down here. It was just like, and that's what's making us sustain to this point because we sold so many types of records out of Atlanta, um, or so many types of artists. You start to see people sprout up like, they'll come, they'll come to the studio one day, you know, singing a song like, you know, Aaron Hall or something. He's Hold like, on. oh, look at this kid. This, let me tell you this story, Dallas. Aaron Hall, right? He was performing, guy had this, they performed after this comedy show we had. This nigga Aaron Hall singing this song, sound exactly like the CD nigga. This nigga was singing, wiped his face, and didn't even fuck up the song. I was like, this nigga ain't real, bro. <laughs> that shit sound exactly like the shit, like this nigga was playing. This nigga was singing that shit loud. That's because there wasn't no auto-tune back then. It's like, that you gotta realize that shit. if you can sing, you had to be able to sing, bro. Wasn't no way that. Matter yeah. of fact, what's, what invented auto-tune is people going, like, <clears throat> even when we did TLC, they used to be like, don't y'all got that thing on their voice? Like, it ain't no thing to have on their voice. You just gotta keep doing that shit until you get it right. And so people kept thinking that about stuff. That isn't that some magic box that fixes it? Like when I was doing another bad creation, I would sample their whole uh, verse and fix it with a pitch wheel. 
on the keyboard because it was five. You can't, you know, you had to have a guideline singing it and then try to fix it like this. But, you know, I think that's one of the biggest differences today is that, you know, you had to be able to have talent because they had to spend so much money on you to record you. Like, it's half of the shit you hear right now, more than half of it, would never got signed, ever, because you had to spend money on the shit. So if somebody came in, in, in your room and they're going, when that whole shit was going on where everybody's singing on lean, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, going up on the Tuesdays and those kind of records are coming around, and people, I, I was sitting at BMI one day, and uh, I was sitting with some of the country people, <coughs> and he was performing that record, and I was like, if this song walked into your office in the country in Nashville, what would you, what would you say about it? He said, what the fuck is going on? Because it takes so much money. When you're doing music music, it takes money to record the talent. And yeah. if you're not talented, I'm not going to spend my money on you. Right. User-generated content came in, uh, let's say around the time of Soldier Boy, right? Where it meant that you can make your music on a computer, upload your music, and distribute it at MySpace, right? So now you're going to cut out the distributors, you're going to cut out the talent gate, you're going to cut out everybody who can say no, and it's only up to the consumers. Now, most of the consumers you got can't sing, can't rap, can't do none of that either, either right? So that's why some of the most simple shit that you wonder, why is that making it? Because most of the people that are singing and rapping, they can't sing and rap either. So that's easy for them to say that. It's easy for them to sing along to that. And when that floodgate opened, instead of it being like, hey, I want to sing as great as Whitney, or I want to sing as great as, uh, perform as great as this person, or Michael, whoever, it started being like, oh, my caliber's down here, because that shit, I can do what he's doing. Yeah. So I just want to do, and so that opened up this gate of user-generated content and it lowered the quality of music that you had to reach for in order to make it. Like, you had to really, like, go through, like, for us, I spent so much time playing keyboards and playing over songs and learning how to write songs in my life. It was just, I don't even know how many hours it's been because I didn't do shit else. You know, it wasn't as easy as let me turn on my Mac and it's going to do, do it for me. Or here's the 808 sound, so that's half the song already. So it wasn't, that, you know, we used to search for drum sounds. Like, how do I find a snare drum? How do I find a hi-hat that Jermaine ain't using? How, like, our sounds was like our grill. Like, no, you can't get my sounds, dog. That's my sounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now it's like, wait, about to get my sounds? You can have them. Nigga slap the shit out of somebody by the sounds. Nigga, yeah. I heard that goddamn drum pattern before, oh, motherfucker. Nigga, you would get fucked up over the them sounds. What the fuck is wrong bro? with this nigga, man? I'm telling oh, you. Oh, you thought I wasn't going to say shit. <laughs> so, so you saying those not my symbols? <laughs> So they're not my symbols. Nigga, you ain't never used a triangle in your motherfucking life. Okay. You ain't okay. never used a triangle, nigga. Since when? That's a legit since one. when do niggas do, since when do niggas come in on the xylophone? <laughs> I'll tell you since when, since we forgetting every motherfucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, this, this nigga played a harmonica. Uh, yeah, I used to be I used to be mad. I hear I, them, damn, they took my snare drum. I have my one snap, you know, everybody at some point have your sound that you like. I would always just veer away and then anytime something got popular, I would go, like go try to do some whole other shit. So if like, if I did enough over here and I'm like, well, let me go do pop rock. Let me go do Pink and Gwen Stefani and Anastasia and Duran Duran and all this kind of stuff. Cause Duran I grew up on a lot. You know, I grew up on all that shit wanting to be them and watching them on MTV, like with their keyboards, with the names on the back. And I just wanted to have one keyboard that I could afford with my name, with Korg or Roland or something on the back of that shit, you know? Yeah. And my mom, my brother financed it for me in Columbus and it took, it was like $1,200. It took five years to finance the shit. God damn. It was broke, broke. It was broke, broke, broke. You know, and I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here and this is gonna be my saving grace. And, and that's- took the keyboard with you. Yeah, my brother, yeah. So my, my, I was down there playing Get It Up in Columbus, okay. Georgia, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and my mom's down in, and we, we, had, we went in the, in the hood, hood and the, the house was a little crooked and the restaurant was connected to it. And, and that's why she had a soul food restaurant. Um, but I was playing Get It Up over and over and over again on this keyboard that he bought me 
that I just died to have, the Roland GX3P, right? right? And he came in and mom said, clean up. Mom said, clean up. <coughs> he on Budweiser's, you know, I ain't paying attention to it. He picked the keyboard up and throw it. And it breaks into like a million pieces and shit. So I'm like, I, I go into shock right now. I used to have a knife fetish when I was a kid because everybody's bigger than me. So I just get knives and play, boom, 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 right? <laughs> you, know you, how your used, you know how your brother used to hold you down and put the knees in the chest, put the charlie horse in your chest and yeah. shit? Yeah, because I was the youngest one, so they would do all that shit, so I had a knife thing. So I went downstairs, got the biggest knife I could find out the kitchen. My mom was like, where you going? I'm like, fucking killing him. He broke my keyboard. Ran upstairs with a knife and tried to get my brother. My mom was like, what are you doing? You know? And so I made a big ass deal out of him and said, fuck that. This dude broke my keyboard. Greyhound bus station is next door from my house, like three, three doors down. I packed my shit up and went to Greyhound. Like, I'm going to Atlanta. I was like 12. Damn. My mom was like, so it was nighttime too. I've been crying all day and shit. This nigga broke my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to sleep with the keyboard. <laughs> I started with a Casio and I was like, Mom, every Christmas get me a bigger keyboard. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so I got now to some shit that I can actually be in bands with and sound like this shit on the radio. Your shit was And now you fuck my shit up. So I, she came out of the Greyhound bus station. She was Damn. like, yo. What are you doing? Like, I'm going to Atlanta, still Monte Clara. I can't make it down here. This thing gonna broke my keyboard. And she's like, Are you serious? She's like, No, you're just mad. I know you're mad. Just come on back home and like, we'll talk about it. And, and tomorrow, if you still feel that way, then, you know. I go home, sit down, look at my keyboard all night, <laughs> mad as shit. I get back up the next morning, pack my shit, take some money out of the cash register because, you know, we got our own little soul food restaurant. Get some money out of the cash register. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, ching. I'm out this bitch. I go back to the bus station, yo, and I'm sitting there. It's daytime now, so I'm ready. I'm waiting on that Atlanta bus to come. I'm out, mad as fuck. My mom was like, "Yo, what are you doing? You really leaving me, huh?" I'm like, "He broke my keyboard. I cannot be a big record producer down here. This dude broke my shit." She said, "I tell you what, if you're that serious, give me some time to sell that restaurant. I'm going with you. You ain't leaving me down here." She said, give me three months, sell the restaurant, I'm going to go to Atlanta with you. I got to find a job, whatever, but give me the time. You had determined to go, we're going. She left, we came up here and she started working at Pope Folks on Old National. And while she was doing that, I was in Charlestown like this. All day long, wires running into the bathroom, niggas recording like the Chip and some of the dudes in the neighborhood come singing, recording all the time. She coming home with flour on her face, mad as hell. Like, my, my brother's selling dope up and down Godby Road. <laughs> we just had it full on going on all day. That's why in ATL, my Uncle George, then the movie was real, and we, we used to get locked in, the, was it Safeway on Old National or something like that? And clean up at night. Damn. And, uh, and we would go skating every Sunday. And during that time, it was like, it was just amped up, bro. It was just like everything you could have going down, dope deals all day long, dope like deals going on in Pope Folks parking lot. It's about him. Like, <laughs> and he comes back to the one. He just dropped that shit up. Yeah, he's really ATL. Uncle George, that's my uncle. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, we just got this safe way. Look, this safe. shit is regular to wow. you. You fucking my whole life up. First of all, you know what? Michael Jackson go from over here to over there. <laughs> first, first and foremost, Mike George needs to make his own Mackers. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> you, want a sound? you want one? Hey, I'm listening to this shit and you like. <laughs> but we don't have none because they slaves. That's slave Man. food. That is. Popeyes. That is. Slave. <laughs> Yo, man. You have worked with everybody from. To even JT oh, Money. Shit. JT Money, yo, that That's was one of my man. favorite people of Dude, all time. It, what what oh people don't know, realize is that Tricky Stewart did who that? 
Right. They, I don't know who they think they who that, but that's Tricky Stewart. And bro, we just found out you produce must be the money. Oh shit. <laughs> You are the infamous producer behind Must Be The Money. Dallas Austin produced Must Be The Money. We have been searching. You trying to do that? Yeah, Yeah, we did this. This is your work? Come on, man. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Let me tell you that now this is a good one. All right, so... (laughs) Suge Knight is at my studio. Oh. <laughs> now that's a good one. No, that's exactly how this, a good this story started. Start me and Suge Knight. So, me and Suge Knight. We're Subway. So, <laughs> he had the studio, right? I had a group illegal, making Jamal. So we was trying to get work from, from Dre and from uh, Colin Wolf. So he's there one day and he said, Dallas, Deion Sanders wants you to do a song on him. You know, we got him on death row now. Um, wanted, he, wants you to, he wants you to do a record on him. My initial response was like, Nah, man. I mean, he's a, he's a football player. I love Dion. He's great. He's got go to club, go to his club, all that. But singing a song? No, nah, man. He want to rap a song. He wants you to do it. I'm like, Suge, man. I'm not, I'm talking to Suge, by the way. So I'm like, shit. I'm in this instance right now. Like, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, man. It's just, I don't know if I can do that, bro. I don't think that's gonna work out. You like, I'll, be right, so I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> he come back in. He got a, he got he got a photo album full of cars. He's a pick a car. It's Lamborghinis, it's Rolls Royces, it's all, pick a car, man. Just whatever car you want, I get it to you. Do, go ahead, take care of that for me with Dion. I'm like, thinking to myself, I can't not take a car from this nigga. That's gonna make me go like, he gonna, they're gonna be really indebted. I can't do this. It's like, yeah, you know, can't do that. I know the street game, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, give me give you a ride and I got you. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that either. So he goes, God, then talk to Dion, he come back. He said, Dion, really want you to do the song, man. Now I'm feeling like, is this nigga about to be like, and you gonna do it? <laughs> yeah, said, you got one more chance. He said, um, I'll tell you what. He just wants you to do must be the money over, but must be the music, man. I give you $250,000 to do that right now. I said, you want me to take must be the music and do must, must you want me to do that now for $250,000? He's like, I get you right now. I got that record in the back, my nigga. Let's go. I went straight back to the back, went through my records. <laughs> Put that, oh yeah, must be the music. I love this record. Let's go. Put it together. Boom, boom. That's the most money I ever got paid for one song, like at one time, like that. Shout out to Suge Knight. Shout out to Suge. Must be the money. <laughs> Shout out Dallas to Austin produced. Shout out to Dion too, because nobody knew. I, nobody knew I did. And then by the time I didn't think Dion, I didn't think Dion was gonna go through all the way with it. By the time, by the time they did it, he was full on. You know, he did it. He did it all the way. Nobody. Yeah, you're right. Nobody knew I did that record either, because I was like, oh man. <laughs> I was. <laughs> well, you, you have done so much music with. <laughs> Shit, everybody who's good. Madonna. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the freakiest nigga in the world. <laughs> I just want you to know why he said that. That's the freakiest nigga in the world right there, Dallas. You know how every crew got a nigga? That, that's him. He got an ankle fetish. He like his ankles to be out. <laughs> this nigga remains the same temperature no matter the season. <laughs> Oh, you're freezing out, man. <laughs> Yo, man, it was crazy because uh, working with Madonna, it was more like, you know, again, I'm Atlanta to death. I got like dreads down in here. I'm, I'm at my studio. Like, I'm just in my own shit. And I ain't really like too, you know, shaken by anybody. But then they called and said, okay, she called the studio. And my security guard called, man, somebody's somebody talking about she Madonna on the goddamn phone. I'm like, That's yeah, how all he right. came and yeah, said man, somebody's talking about she Madonna on the phone. <laughs> so I'm like, 
huh? He's like, no, nah, I told him, what, I knew it wasn't her, man. So, you know, but he did a call like one or two times or something like that. So I'm like, and this wasn't the back day when you had the text and all that. So it was like, all right. So then they called again. He's like, you want to take this call? And I said, yeah. And then I picked the phone. She goes, Dallas? I'm like, holy shit. This is Madonna, ain't it? She said, yeah. I was like, oh, because you wouldn't expect her to be called in the studio, but a manager had, had talked to mine before and gave him a number. So she's like, um, I want come to come to Atlanta um, and come have a meeting with you. And so I'm like, all right. So she comes down. I'm still Atlanta to death, bro. I'm like, I, back then I didn't talk at all. I, I wasn't speak, talking to nobody. I was just like chilling. And um, so she came in and then we started to, she's like, yo, I want my record to sound like what you do. I love your records. I love this and the other. And so she said, so we hit it off good. And she goes, um, well, I got, I'm, I'm going to um, be in California. I want you to come out to Miami and California, come meet the you know, people we're working with, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of like on a little Madonna tour, right? First stop is going to be L.A. and then I'm going to go to Miami, right? And meet her out there. So I go to L.A. And she, got this, she has this castle, right? It's the castle that I think Al Capone or somebody used to live in. But she painted the shit burgundy and yellow stripes. Hold the on, whole wait, castle. What? Right? Bruh. In LA. Yeah, wait a minute. This nigga like said Madonna bought a castle. This was a castle, bro. Painted vertical. But, but this is what she had told me about the castle, right? I'm going to put this weed down. She said, because the, the shit you be saying, the shit he be saying so regular. Nigga, McDonald got a castle. She was a castle, but she painted this shit striped, right? Like burgundy yellow or some shit. And that was the big thing about it. So I go to, the, go to the house. She ain't there. The housekeeper's there. But she had told me already, and, and us talking, um, she goes, you know, I got a ghost. I said, what you mean? She said, I got a ghost in my place in L.A. And I could tell it's a woman because she throws my shoes around sometimes or I buy something like a carpet or something. I come in the room and it's missing. So I'm like, all right. You know. Jackson. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so for real, right? So I go to this house and, uh, and, uh, and she's not there. I'm supposed to meet her in LA, but she's like, go stay at the castle while you, you know. So me and my man, Dave Gates. We go up in there, we're like, shit, look at this fucking castle. Like, we just like, this is out of control. Long castle tables, big castle doors. Like, everything was just insane. I ain't, we ain't never seen nothing like that being from Atlanta either. So I go in the room, and so we jumped on the bed. I'm like, shit, let's turn on BET. So we're like watching TV, like sitting there drinking beer, like smoking, because it's just me and Day there, you know what I'm saying? And the housekeeper's downstairs, right? So this, it's a wall. Like, when you walk out the door, it's like, a, it's like you see how those doors against those walls right there? They're flat. Castle door is huge, it's flat against the wall, right? So we've been in there just tripping. Like, I'm just like bugging, like, nigga, we in my daughter's fucking room. Like, you know, get ready, walk out to go to my meeting. And that damn castle door slammed so hard, bro, it just went, wow. So we was, I was like, what the fuck? Dave was like, what the fuck was that? Because it's impossible for the door to do that, right? The housekeeper was coming up the steps. She's like, oh yeah, that's the ghost. She was just mad y'all was in the room. I still got the garage door opener. Cause I left. <laughs> I, still, I was supposed to go back that night, so I had the gates open and stay there. The that shit slammed so hard, shit. it was insane. Um, and then by the time we started working together, I was hanging with my man. I was hanging with my man Jack. You know, you know Haitian Jack. I was hanging with him um, when, it, <laughs> when we, I started working with Madonna, and that's how they got their, uh, you know, the Tupac Haitian Jack Madonna connection. All of that shit started going on at the same time, but... <laughs> well, you are the it's square a... root of black history. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, but it's, it's just like... It's like Martin Luther King was like, Death! <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, we got You got Atlanta, bro. Dude, we came up in an era where like everything was just like I, I think it was the verge of everything, you know, us starting everything, and then it was a fresh. The city started just rolling. The city started just being like, and everybody just became interested in us. Everybody from everywhere became interested in Atlanta. Like, what's going on there? How do we get a sound of it? How do we get a piece of it? And it just became that that time when everybody was just rolling. Like, the East Coast West Coast battle started here, right down at the Jaguars, right right at the club here, where all of us in that JD's party is like. You know, so much stuff has happened. All of us in the spot, and there's Puff, and there's Suge, and and there's the beef in the club, and everybody's all tense and shit. And then next thing you know, go outside, his boy get popped across the street. Then here we go, we East Coast, West Coast. From that point on, all that shit just kept going and kept going. But it all started right out here. You That's know? crazy, man. Yeah, man. It is a product of everybody. Um, and then you know, for me during that time, I was just working with everybody, Mick Jagger and Stevie Nicks and every big kind of rock star I started bringing into town, kind of just rolling around Atlanta with, with people like that. And then it's taking them, giving them, taking them to MJQ, like taking Janet Jackson to MJQ. You do know you was fucking people up when you was doing it, right? Like, nigga, I might have been high, but I was on Old National <laughs> last night, bro. It was fucking up. Dallas Austin and Mick Jagger in that bitch. Get some lemon pepper wings at the motherfucking crow's nest. I swear to God, bro. It was Dallas Austin. Bobby Brown, Bobby McFay, motherfucking Michael McDonald. <laughs> it was JT Money. The nigga with a yellow suit on. Dallas Austin, he wasn't talking to nobody because you know he hear the music in his head, so he can't. <laughs> That's what niggas used to say, bro. Bro, Dallas don't be talking because he hear music in his head. Man, I don't hear music. You still get motherfuckers trying to get you the fuck with that music? You had notorious silence The thing was, it was a trip because I was really just shy as shit, and so I would have my shades on all the time because I didn't want to be fucking with nobody, right? But then they'd be like, oh, that one thousand, how cool he is. I don't, shit, I just want to go home, nigga. Like, I don't even want to be in here. I don't want no class rank. I don't want to do none of that shit. I don't want to go to prom. I just want to go to the crib. Like, I was always that dude. And so it just kind of came along with the territory of then doing so much shit at the same time, man. You just yeah. knew what to do, when the fuck to do it, dog. Like, your whole life. Your timing like, is impeccable. Yeah, this motherfucker ain't missed none of the shots when it was time. Like, he knew when it was time to go. Like yeah, mama, sell else, that man. restaurant. Sell that restaurant, Ma. Let's get, get the fuck out, out of Madonna's Come on, get come on. I promise you, I'm going to be in Madonna's castle. I'm fucking a go. She going to get mad. He, that's the party he left out. He stayed one night before, fucking around. Like, Madonna fucked me. Madonna like, no, I didn't. And Madonna ain't shit for leaving you in a haunted castle. By a With a ghost. She ain't even tamed her own ghost. Man, Dallas, stay in my house and see if the ghost is there. The people downstairs, that goddamn ghost going to be mad. <laughs> she got them niggas up there in that bed. You know that goes on like black people. They up there watching Mike Tyson and shit on HBO. The goddamn ghost just passive aggressive old white bitch. Nigga. Nigga. I wish you would leave. <laughs> You ain't got to tell my ass twice, nigga. I'm out of there. Go I'm back to your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah, man. Ghost got to work the other way, too, though. What you got to haunt the shit out of white people. There's got to be some black ghosts <laughs> fucking with them, nigga. You know somebody gentrified a crack house. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, in the middle of the night, the stove just cut on. <laughs> 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 
Are you, are you boiling water? <laughs> Babe, have you seen my wallet? <laughs> Every morning I wake up, it's $20 in this one. <laughs> Babe, I know I'm not tripping. There's 80 bucks this week. <laughs> Did you put this baking soda on the counter? <laughs> Food got their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I keep dropping the meatballs. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy, yo. This gotta go both ways. Oh, oh, these niggas getting revenge out there. Just, just unhooking the cable slowly. Yeah. <laughs> On their favorite shit, they just change their channel. I don't know why it keeps going to BT. <laughs> I'm sick of watching Baby Boy. I've seen it plenty of times. <laughs> the TV just pop on in the middle of the night. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, man. That shit's hilarious. Yeah, man. I think we got, well, you know, it used to be a point where in Atlanta, we didn't, we didn't really, you know, mess with New York people at all, right? So it got to the point that even when Puff and people wanted to come down here, niggas start calling each other, like Big Boy start calling out, yeah, you know Queen Latifah, they're trying to buy land. We're going to let them do that shit? I don't know, dog. Uh, you know them puff them, they trying to buy land on Old National. We gonna let them do that shit? I don't know, man. What y'all think? What you think? What you think? Cause this shit is country, and we, we protect that shit because so many people ran in, ran in here, and either fucked us over or ran out or kind of you know took the culture, ran out, you know. So we always been and, and Gip and them was the worst about it. Gip and them was just like, oh no 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 no, zaga zaga zaga, coming down here, don't come uh, down here trying uh, to steal all the country uh, man land, uh, uh. hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, but then when I left, uh, I had Rowdy in New York, and um, LA was supposed to have you know, Rowdy being the rap label, but then LA some kind of way sound outcast to to the face, and I'm like, well, what, hold on, it's supposed to be the rap label. Oh man, I didn't think you really liked them like that. You didn't think I like Outcast? I'm from Atlanta. What you talking about? Well, that nigga, well, you know, he said, he said, you, what? I, why would, because, why do them motherfuckers be doing Because, you know what it is, they had just, you know, Players Ball took off from being a, um, a record that was a Christmas song. It was the Christmas right? song, right? Right. And when it took off, they needed something to take off because LaFace at that point was just getting, that went through a lot of down, you know, acts that, that spent a lot of money and stuff like that before they really started making money again. Right. Um, and so then I was, I got mad and I was like, you know what, I'm up here in New York. Don't want to be up in this motherfucker in the first place, and then you're gonna sign Outkast to, to the face. I'm out. So I went to Clive's. Like, I got to go to Atlanta. I don't want to be up here. And um, so he was like, "All right, well," because I thought he was gonna be like, "Okay, well, we're gonna close the label down." He was like, no, 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 no. Take it with you. Let's start over. Like, just you know, if you want to go to Atlanta, I understand. And at the same time, Puff was Puff had got into it um, with Andre and uh, was getting fired for Uptown. So he called me and was like, "Dude, I don't know what to do. You know." And so I flew up to New Jersey. I was like, dude, you should have a label. Why don't you start your own shit too? When he was starting, he had already been doing records with, with Uptown. We had, I had like two labels at the time, Rowdy and I had another one called Lemp. And I said, you should start your own label, dude. Just, just move, do your own shit. <clears throat> so then we took him to Arista, did the deal with Clive. I said, another thing is, take my offices, because I want to go home. So he took those offices, the Rowdy offices, made them the bad boy offices. And then I moved Rowdy down here on Marietta <coughs> Street. And took a floor on Marietta Street and then South Monica. There's too much information. Man, so much black history. I wasn't going in the. I was like, like at one point I was like, you know that shit should be a movie. But then you would tell the story and I was like, oh nigga, that is the movie. That's <laughs> your movie. But you got even more shit that need to be a movie. 
Unless you're going to tell oh, yeah, me this man. movie. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave your office to Puff. Yeah. He turned them into the bad boy offices. And then I got an office down. Now, this is the crazy part. My office downtown <clears> on Marietta Street is a full floor across from the newspaper, right? And you know who the parking lot guys was? Alex and them. Alex, <laughs> Alex Gillard. I heard. AG what, Entertainment. Come on, man. He was the parking lot guys. They come were on. collecting tickets for the... For the uh, he do all the clubs. Yeah. yeah shout out to Alex. He, yeah, was, yeah. he started with us long before, you know, a long time ago. But, like, just to see everybody evolve into what they've evolved to. Shaka being there to Spotify now when he was at, at radio stations. Like, everybody's just evolved into, you know, grown-ass people, I guess. We don't even know it. <laughs> what? what can you say? What can you say? I don't come back to like I, whatever you. I'm telling TLC. you, TLC. Don't ask if Dallas fucked her, because I'm sure he did. <laughs> Especially if she is of that freak Nick age. It's, it's over. Don't even ask her. Who's having Let a good go. time, bro? Who's having a blast back then? Let it go. He didn't even talk to him. Hey, hey, I talked to him, man. What do you like? Do you like me? <laughs> man, TLC, yeah. man, they was right here in Atlanta. Yeah, it was funny when I'm when I, st- when I t- went to have a meeting with them. I knew T Boss from the skating rink. Like, ATL was supposed to be called Jelly Beans, by the way. And um, and so Lauren London kind of plays T Boss character. And like, where she, we wasn't dating them, but she was like, she, she was a real tomboy. Like, she'd be at the skating rink with her hat down like this, and she dancing, and she yeeking with everybody. She ain't on, you know. So she was part of me, Rico, T Boss. Um, all of us knew each other, Divine. We were all at the skating rink. Um, and when they, when I went to meet with them, because LA said, I got this group. And so I wanted to meet with them. I'm like, by the time I was like, okay, come on, everybody want to build a group in Atlanta now. Because everybody started popping up with acts. Acts are black, uh, three black girls, this, the that. Everybody was just popping up with acts. And so <coughs> when I sat with them, I'm like, oh shit, y'all want to be in that? Y'all going to be a group too? Then there's like, LA was like, yeah, you know, I don't know what to do with them. So they started, like, they performed um, like one of the Teddy Riley songs. And I was like, I know what to do with them, you know. Um, and then I went and started writing all the songs. And um, we were just living out the times because they were like that in the first place. We were just young and wilding and, you know, making records about what we were doing for real. And then all this shit started happening. Like, you know, the Hubble started putting the thing on them where the girls was really insecure about she singing. She was big hating and in the movie. So, yeah. That movie was fun, the, like the little Lifetime. But joke. you know what's crazy is um, <clears throat> people just didn't understand. He, he, they wasn't telling them the truth. It wasn't about it wasn't about what was happening or not. It's like you don't tell them the truth. Like one thing about me and my artists, I'm going to tell you how it is. This is how it is right here. I'm going to spend this, you can do that. We're going to do this, you can do that. That's this, that's that. That's how this is. They, won't, they didn't do that back in the industry back then. It was more like what you didn't know is what made the money. And instead of what you did know. So, you know, if somebody came to you right and said, hey, <clears throat> um, well, your video is gonna cost two and a half million dollars. Your this is gonna cost that. Your this is gonna cost that. Your, ba- your balance is gonna be right here. Do you wanna go ahead and move on with this? They would've said, yeah, <laughs> right? But you would say, no, it's just that after you shoot all that shit and after you see how expensive it all is and look at the books and you say, you know, this is how much money we spent on the project. They just didn't understand none of that, you know? And so that's, they, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Like the way that they got their deal is they kept saying, 
I remember they kept saying, Mary J. Blige got this much money. We ain't got that much. And it wasn't true. They just heard that in the, in the streets. Mary J. Blige got this so much we get that. So they was just like, Mary J. Blige got $200 million. I don't think she got $200 million. Like, this was on her second album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. They gave her way more money than us. So them not backing down off of that, and then them going up to Arista and um, <laughs> taking them girls from Techwood. They took a whole crew of girls from Techwood and put them in the car, and they drove straight to New York. These girls don't know nothing about nobody at all. They just know Techwood. They took them to Arista. Them girls went up in there. Puff was on the phone. They went up in the, um, in the office on the phone from Puff said, TLC need to talk to Clive Davis. Clive, what is going on? What are you doing? <coughs> and the girls went in there and stood behind Clive like this. Two big old girls, like Techwood girls, took behind like this. <laughs> and they was like, we want to know what our country said. LA said you got the money. You say LA's got the money. We want to know who got the money. So we ain't leaving until we find out who got the money. While they doing that, the other girls is going up and down Arista taking down plaques off the wall to take home. Oh, shit, we in Houston. Oh, shit, TLC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they done, they're taking the plaques off the Arista walls and taking <laughs> They got to leave with something. They, they were That's a, a long-ass ride. But one we, thing they, you at least got to take the TLC plaque. That's ours. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't get off. They wouldn't leave until LA and Clive got on the phone on speakerphone and said whatever it was in front of them, and then that's how they got their deal kind of got their deal worked out, you know? But if somebody had told, it's just that back then in that day, so much money was being spent and nobody's telling you all these chargebacks you got. And if they did tell you what you was getting charged for, you, probably, you still would've said, yeah, you wanna shoot your video? You would've said, oh, I don't know if I wanna use Hype Williams, you know, let me shoot one for 150,000 instead of two million. That wouldn't even have crossed your mind because you don't even know nothing about none of that as an artist, right? So you still would've did the same thing, it's just that not having the information Everybody's gonna always come out like the bad guy on the other side of not showing you the information. You know, that's the that was the real key to it. Everybody's been through that same scenario if you've been in the, in the record business because recruitment it takes so it takes a minute for you to recoup the money that somebody somebody said to you right now. Hey man, uh, yo, give me twenty thousand dollars and I, I give back to you. So well, no, I want sixty thousand or forty thousand. Don't even get that back. Then you want your money back. You know? Why are you pointing at me though, Dad? Because I know that's how it is, right? <laughs> ask him. Don't ask me. He was right there. No, 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 no. Ask no. Him. I was going to look away. <laughs> no matter who you is, you do not want a motherfucker asking you for $20,000. What? Who got stabbed? What are you doing now? What's going on? Come on now. What's going on? Like, put somebody else on the phone. Atlanta's, Atlanta's the king of the flip, though. We don't have the best, in my opinion. I mean, other than probably New Orleans, but we done had the best run of like dudes coming out of the streets. They already been dope boys before and flipped their shit into careers um, and flipped it into real viable businesses that employ other people. That's right. the trip. This is true. Because back then, dope boys just went to jail. It wasn't, you, like, they, they got to the point where I think even the people in Atlanta know, they knew. Like when BMF and them was running around and taking out billboards and dumping money out of the helicopters and doing all the shit they do. And like the city didn't know. When Jeezy had like a thousand snowman. Uh, CDs out everywhere. Nobody could. He had more mixtapes than anybody ever could have out. You right. know? And that was breaking them. So it, they really took that street mentality and flipped it. Back in the day, it used to be gangsters doing it anyway, like the Tommy Matolas and all them was other kind of gangsters. But seeing that happen in Atlanta, where you know the real hustle became, how do we flip these records? You know, and how do we turn these records into successful records? And that's how it changed. Like we were coming up in, in like, how do we play? These dudes came up there and went, how do we flip the dope game? How do we flip this shit in, 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 into, into music? Um, I remember I did the Hard Boys back in the day, and that was one of the first, Royal CDM was one of the first kind of rap groups out of here um, to try to, you know, defy what was being done here already. That's what I'm saying. It don't yeah. matter how far you go back. <laughs> <laughs> he right there. Carry the one. Put that there. I remember when James Brown was working on his album. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that's crazy. Um, James Brown too. <laughs> but my my stepdad played for James man, Brown, right? Love him, man. You never leaving. You never leaving, bro. Okay, I'll tell you the funniest James Brown story. Right, so I went on. I used to go on the road with them when I was a kid. Them in the JBs, right? My stepdad, who's, who plays all the guitars, Jimmy Nolan. So I wake up in the morning in third grade, smoke a piece of joint with him, right, and play those licks. Like, he played all those licks you hear on James Brown. So we get up in the morning. That was my thing. I was shot at school anyway, so nobody knew I was smoking weed at third grade. Then, uh, what? What the <laughs> yeah. fuck? Just like, with your pops? Yeah, I just told him a little bro, and I you, still my nerves back. You have had the know? best life I have ever seen a black man have. <laughs> <laughs> so, your pops got it James Brown, Brown, right? James Brown, right? So they, they, so we on this, we on this tour, the summer tour. So I'm on with the JBs, and so they line up in this, uh, in the hallway. And, you know, we talking, smoking, waiting on him to come out to his dressing room, right? They got their light blue tuxedos on, and they talking shit and smoking cigarettes. I'm standing next to my, my uh, step-pops, and so James comes out of the room. Pow, the crowd's out there. He comes out, fired up. He walks by and slaps the shit out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm terrified. I'm fucking terrified. And... What is I mean, this about? Grown, <laughs> grown ass men. He slapped the fuck out of all of them. Pow, 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 pow. I just remember, like, like, five I just remember thinking, I hope he don't fucking hit me. <laughs> but so I got, we got after it was over. I got back on the bus with them, and I, it was talking. It was like, oh shit, you know this bad show. Like they, like they didn't even pay attention. So I asked my, why, why he hit y'all like that? He didn't want us to mess up. <laughs> he said it's to get our attention, to make sure we're paying attention. You know, so if he see us out there like that, he's just like, yo. And he's like, he, so we don't fuck up. Um, uh, I can't play good and, after you slap me. <laughs> after you slap me, man. I'm all fucked up. I'm all good enough. He would do shit like leader, man. Like, like he'll, if one person fuck up, like they were playing the Bahamas one time, one person fuck up, he'd leave everybody. Everybody, y'all can find your way back. <laughs> and he didn't play that. So he was just like, they were, that's how he kept them. <laughs> that's how he kept them tight. But yeah, that shit scared the hell out of me. Now, Slap fast forward, Catherine Bruton, who um, she's the head of BMI, um, that all of us love very much. She's going into BMI this one year, and she goes, you know, I think I want to start a, uh, an award ceremony, the BMI Awards. And the first thing I want to do is I want to honor James Brown, and I want you and Pharrell and Rodney Jerkins. Um, and Chad to be the JBs. And so, like, oh. so I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this is crazy. He had a flashback. Right? Ain't nobody slapping me. Ain't Tell nobody. that nigga. Put that in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> if James Brown slapped me, I'm swinging. I didn't even think this much, I didn't even think this dude remembered me because of how long it was ago. But I guess through music and stuff, everybody kind of the word got out, whatever. So here I am on stage. James is performing. What it is is what it is, and I'm playing. Think, 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 think. Pharrell's playing drums, and I'm like, this shit's crazy. I'm like, this. Who ever thought I'd be playing the same shit behind James Brown and my stepdad taught me to play with James, right? And after we finished playing, he goes, Now where Jimmy Nolan boy at? I'm like, Oh shit! And I'm like, he's like, and he come and grab me. He said, Y'all know how long I known this boy? And then, because I used to be on the Sweet Charles organ when they would be practicing. I'd be on the Sweet Charles organ, like, chilling. 
And he brought it, he's got a sweet Charles organ. And I was like, shit, and then brought that flashback up too. I was like, yeah, that's the same day you slapped the shit out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Came full circle. (laughs) Damn. <laughs> I remember that day. I remember that day. I said, you know, you get these things that terrify you, you never forget them shits. Like, something scary like that, you just be like, oh, that shit's crazy. Man, he hit them that hard. They, he slapped them straight. There was nobody laughing no more. <laughs> <laughs> they was geeking. They was geeking. They was geeking. They was having a good time till that nigga came out. <laughs> James Brown slapped the fun out there, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is a worker, though, man. Like I looked at his eyes. Uh, like if y'all don't watch Mr. Dynamite, uh, watch Mr. Dynamite. That's a good. That's a good documentary about James. And you'll see all that stuff. Some of that stuff in there, not all yeah, that. Yeah. There's a whole documentary just about James Brown slapping people. It ain't got shit to do with music. <laughs> I knew you would fuck him up if they messed up. No, you gotta do it what ahead of time. What you mean? You get fucked up. So you don't do it. Like, like, like what you gonna get and you don't get right. <laughs> he was slapping him beforehand. Damn, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been so many. So I mean, I know y'all heard the um, <laughs> when Buster was on here, he was telling y'all about everybody being at the studio, right? But George Clinton, what he did is he came in. And I seen the, I happened to see the mothership land when I was little in Columbus, right? Because my, my mom's restaurant is down the street from the, the Coliseum, right? So I've seen all this shit when I was little, like the mothership land, because everybody come eat soul food and then go play, right? Commodores, Zap. My brother would take my my my, hot, my um, elementary school snare drum and sneak me in the back of the concert because he'd be like, yo, do, 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 do. I got a snare drum for Zap Rogers uh, drummer. <laughs> And then there we go, boom, we in backstage. We <laughs> right? do this shit all the time, right? And so I've been able to, the, one of the things that's been a trip is I've seen all these people as a kid that I would just see the tour bus sitting outside the restaurant, they go to Commodores. Two of us sitting outside the restaurant, there's George Clinton. So as I started to get you know, up in music, um, I started to work with all these people. I worked with Lionel, I worked with George. And when uh, George started coming to DARP, and he just, one weekend, he came in there on a Friday or something, right? He said, I want to use the studio. I said, all right, dude, you got it. I left when I went out of town and came back. I'm sitting, I got a room in my studio. I'm sitting there at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. George just comes out of one of the rooms, smoking weed. Doo-doo-doo-doo. So, dude, you've been here this whole time? So, yeah, man, I ain't leaving this motherfucker. So, <laughs> then, if you surround that with, at the same time, I had Diamond D, Too Short, Buster, um, Eric Sermon, and Outcast, and Goody. We all used to be at Dark. And we used to hold these forums. And George would sit down and tell us about the whole horse book, like they were saying. He would tell us shit like, yeah, you're going to see it flood in places. You've never seen it flood before. And then they're going to come on TV and say, hey, we're FEMA. We'll give you flood on this insurance. We was like, really? They're going to make it flood? Yeah, they got weather machines, and they're going to make it rain. It's going to flood everywhere. So he kept telling us every, all the shit that started to happen, he was telling us in these sessions. And then all of a sudden, one day, people are rowboating by the top of their houses in Chicago, I mean, in Illinois or Milwaukee and you know, like the rowboat over your roof, you know how much water that is? So, and then, and then the commercial will come on. We're FEMA, we're the only ones can give you, I'm like, this dude, all this shit, the checks, the checks turning into cash cards, all this stuff he told us a long time ago, and he was telling us all in this room. And that's when, when uh, Goody Mob started doing self-therapy and stuff, is when we were having these New World Order forums in the studio. But look at that group, like, too short, Diamond D, Buster, <laughs> Eric Sermon, Illegal. All of us will be in this whole little squad. 
And every day, we hold a forum like this, and George would just download us with crazy shit. Like, NASA sending a, um, a person on the road with them when he was talking about spaceships all the time. Because it, anything you play with with space, NASA want to know. They don't care if you're joking or not. Anything you're talking about, the motherships and <coughs> all that kind of stuff, they want to know. So they sent the person on the road with them. But they were so high, they didn't even know who the person was for a long time. So like, who the fuck so is buddy? Like, yeah, I thought he was with you. Nigga, I thought he was with you. This nigga, nigga like, love our music, man. Nigga, man, the last 37 shows. He's like, it's like 13, hey, 20 what, people. What, what we <laughs> Make yourself useful. It'd be like 20 people on the stage, so they didn't really know who was who was with him or what, you know? And so he, he, he would just download us with all this shit. And one day, I pull up to the studio in the short and... Uh, George and all them that's standing outside and everybody's looking up in the sky like this. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And I pull up and short and like, yo, nigga, we just seen a fucking UFO. And I'm like, what? Like, and it's like afternoon time. It's like, it ain't dark yet. It's like, <laughs> it's still like afternoon time. And all of them literally, but they're sitting up with their head caught everybody, the whole <coughs> inside, and all of them out back. They're just like, yo, we just saw a fucking UFO. All of us did. And they're like, what was it like? And they're like, it had lights going like this in a V. And it was sitting over the damn studio. I said, that's what y'all was looking at when I, came, when I pulled up? They're like, nigga, yes. I'm like, y'all niggas is high, for real. <laughs> like, really? But everybody was saying it, so I can understand if it was like one or two people. But it was all of them, all of them. like, nigga, you see that shit? Right. <laughs> you know, and so George would always come tell us stories about, you know, the ships. And you know, he's always been that guy. Um, but all of us basically sat in there and just pulled all kind of energy from those sessions that he would do. And that, and it started like everybody just kind of doing that amalgamation of working together, like working all in different rooms. And, you know, Two Short was doing getting it and George was producing that. Um, but it was like it was, you know, I, I feel like Atlanta has that thing where, um, especially from a label standpoint, everybody's like country. You know what I'm saying? You can go by somebody's house, wipe your feet before you go to Miss Johnson's house. Don't give a fuck. Take them goals out for you going there. So everybody has a sense of respect about each other and love for each other and all that. Um, so I just feel like um, where it's, to see it come from those kind of days and then to see it go into, you know, everybody really shooting each other and everybody really taking it to the next level is like, okay, everything is going to, for Atlanta, it was really about the eclecticness that we brought together. Atlanta's really about cash doing Curtis Mayfield and these niggas coming out of the, the, the hood with fur pants on and gold teeth in the Cadillac, you know what I'm saying? And like that difference is what makes us really Atlanta. So I think that that's really now what I miss the most about it. Um, that it's gotten really linear when it used to be so creative. It used to be like, and we, this is the place where you push your creativity <coughs> to the max. Like I'm bringing the football cleats back. You should, Bring dog. Shit back, you should, dog. dog. <laughs> you know, that's why Andre 3000 had the football shoulder pads. Because he said you with the cleats and said, nigga, I do that from chest up. See, that's why Andre playing a flute now. It's different. He don't need to do nothing. Is that a flute? I, don't, I, I think it's like a type of flute. But I, was like, I thought it was an oboe or some shit. I don't know. Is it a flute or an oboe? Maybe it's, it, it, it's a collected kind of flute. It's a wood. It's a flobo. Like it's, it's, probably, it's like a combination of the two of them. But I, I thought it was a joke at first, but he really liked that. It might be a bassoon. It might be a bassoon. I know it ain't a regular flute because you be holding it like this. Yeah, no, nah, it's, something, it's something to it. 
It's an alto sax. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the stretched out saxophone is, I don't know. You know the music mode of me. Don't get me in here to lying about shit. I'm still tripping that the motherfuckers saw spaceships. So you telling us it's a chance our partner Fabo was not lying when he said he started to see spaceships. <laughs> so you ain't fascinated by the shit that was in the air. Nigga. Michael Jackson go from right here <laughs> to over there. Come on, man. And ain't nobody seen shit. On, Just a shirt. What if Whatever he color even, he had on. What if he didn't even have on a red shirt? That's exactly what I was thinking. Crazy shit, you'll see him driving down Ventura in the, in the van itself, driving himself to the studio. And we man, were walking down the street like, does he not do you know, know how many people would like wreck? Michael Jackson's a red shirt, same hat, window down, <laughs> black van, had rims and everything on it. And he'd be sitting at the red light. But I think the LA they probably thought that, look at this nigga trying to look like Michael Jackson. Like, but we would get, we would be walking to the studio like or going to get something to eat, and he'll be sitting at the red light. They're like, this nigga's Mike crazy. Mike Rodman, he had to be strapped though, right? I just think that it's LA, so like LA is like that. You would never if that's really that's not him. That's like all these other people that look like him, probably like riding down the street, like you you know, they probably just didn't. Think twice about it. That is cold as hell. <laughs> this is some of the best. It's shit. so it's so crazy because you like even if you saw that man in the van, like you, be like, all right, man, go on, bro. I'm gonna go to the crib. Let me put this shit out, man. Ain't no way the fuck I do with that. Look, trying to look like Michael Jackson. Bro, what if you had that light though and you hitting the blunt and it's that long light and you look? Look at this. <laughs> I ain't gonna say shit. You want some? That man, that's some wild shit. It is, yo. That shit, that's old. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA He says somebody's in the house and I screamed (laughs) 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, man. I can't believe you came through the, through the trap just to talk a little shit with us like that, man, and put us up on all this game. That's all, that's all we needed. Man, anytime, bro. That's what we, I mean, that's what we got to do. That's what keeps us in Atlanta. No, we ain't kicking you out. Man. You know what I'm saying? Said James Brown slapped the shit out of everybody right. involved. Yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, 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 before yeah. the show. You're making me think I'm pursuing this whole entertainment shit wrong. Yeah. You, you got to rule with an iron fist. We even said so much shit. You got to start slapping people and pointing your cane at motherfuckers. And, and being aggressive <laughs> about the situation. Yes. Before all y'all yes. too. So we, I just launched DAD for everybody who didn't know it. Um, finally got my, my, my distribution company going. Um, and I really got, you know, I always wanted a distribution company in the first place, but after me seeing, like, I felt like artists, really talented artists, was signing the places and kind of throwing this shit in the ocean because it was nobody to guide them. I know distribution companies ain't supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be like, just upload your shit and you figure it out. Um, but, but at DAD, um, it's different because you do get you know, a person to help you navigate, especially if you're somebody who knows the lingo and, you, and you're an artist enough to know what you're talking about. And if you're an artist enough to have already built yourself up some, then you need somebody to point you in directions or some shit. Um, and it's exciting because uh, it's a different story now because I get to hear music from everywhere. You know, all over the world, people can load up, load up their music. Um, what kind of shit you like to listen to? Anything that's great, bro. Like, what's crazy is- You gotta be great matter. already. Yeah, it's some great shit that you don't, like, the people, the most great shit is discovered, like, you hear it and, and you be like, man, like, I remember when I heard the rest of the development the first time, and it's like, Speech played it for me before it came out. He listened to this stuff right here, man, tell me what you think. And I was just like, God damn, they got harmonicas and slave shit going on and African shit going on and college, and it was just like. And that nigga who used to just be in the back. Bob O'Day, and then right. he was just like doing right. that, you know. So it, it was like. Okay, my horseshoes, okay, my horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm excited about finding new music and, and like just seeing people like we, we had this kid in, in Birmingham to sign up and when you actually see their face when you pop up or when the who pops up on the screen talk to them and their manager for a while like, boom so what you got going on you got any more songs just that little bit right there um, kind of helps real artists so it's really for real artists that's really been like getting the door shut on them and shit like they know they're talented they super fire they play they sing they got all this whatever going for them but Nobody's really giving them any, uh, any, any outlets, so. That's what advice do you give talented people? If, you, if you're really talented, um, it's like an, it's a, it's a, it's a weird obsession, you know? It's one of those things that it just dies, you die and just, like, it just aggravates you all the time to do it. Um, and in that case, it's, you're gonna, the light gonna hit you at some point. If you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing, always, that's how it happened to every one of us around here, period. Like, that's why I would see somebody pop up. Oh, like, you know, remember me? I was in the group that came to dark a long time ago. Like, the light gonna shine if they keep, if it, it's not a person, that, tell you the truth, it's not a person that came through my studio that didn't make it. Not because of me, but because maybe it was an opportunity for them to record in there or whatever it was, but I don't care if it was 112 or Ciara or like, it's just everybody that, since the time I made it, it's not a person in Atlanta that I haven't seen do it and the light didn't shine on them in some way. Like, if you, even look at Coach K. With Coach had Hollywood and the stuff he was doing at MJQs and all this, like, there's plenty of times Coach could have stopped there when, when something wouldn't happen or whatever. But, like, the reason he's Coach that he is now is because <coughs> he didn't. And he's doing what he's been doing that whole time back then all the way up to now. So I feel like 
That's happened with everybody, period, that I've seen put effort into what they're doing in the city. It's happening to y'all, too, the same way. Exactly, because um, I was just about to say, man, our OG called you the OG. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, Zoo, he, yep. he showed us a whole lot about the comedy game. Zoo's that one was doing, running around over there, and, 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 yeah, Highland Place Monsters, yeah. and when I was really the masquerade and all this stuff, he was a part of all that back then. Exactly. With us, you know? um, and it was the Crow, all these dudes that was just like, the, really the fabric that made Atlanta different. To, to where it is now, it gave us the right to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, man, it's, a, it's it's we love where it's headed. We love where it's going. We'll keep expanding it, um, right. keep growing it, and I think keep giving opportunities. You know what I'm saying? So we got Rowdy back up, DAD. Um, I'm just set back for the opportunity and for the difference. Like, Are you back in the game? You about I'm to flip the game, game again? Yeah, man, we got to. So you telling me you about to show up and take? 700 new motherfuckers with you. Yeah, time, man. I got the Roddy squad. Me, Johnny, This time really go crazy. You have a nigga that juggle. Yep. Um, we Dudes. got some people who do plants and shit. I don't know if you need some plants. This time we going full <laughs> circle with it. We got some niggas make gumbo real good. I had to go out and attack. I, I had to go attack. I feel like Edgewood was getting left out. I, like, I had to go. I got JYs and went down to Edgewood. I said it before I started. I was like, man, soon I'm going to pop Rowdy back up. I'm going straight to Edgewood. I'm going straight to where, because I, I hang out down there. I would go down there all the time and be at Sound Table and other places and taking out Kemet and just being in that element of Atlanta. And I was like, I'm going to bring this shit back up. And this is what I want to elevate right here. This cultural element right here is right. where I want to start off. And so when I met Jay Wise, I was like, yo, we're going to get this thing plugged in. And I'm, you already got the filter through the Playlist Academy he was doing. We did a pop-up on there. And we saw like 60 damn acts in like two days. And so out of those 60 acts, I was like, all right, let's just start getting this rolling. And we started with Johnny because I knew that, like, that the difference got to be cracked through around here at some point. You got to just kind of hit it over the head. And so when I heard shut the fuck up, I was like, all right, we got to go with Johnny Paolo. We got to go. And, and why had nobody heard of the fucking bonfire? And why had nobody heard of this other underground shit in Atlanta that's happening that you see black people doing, like, these incredibly creative, positive things? You know what I'm saying? It, all, the only thing that was getting shown is, well, here's Lucci and them fighting. Here's somebody shooting a thug. Here's somebody shooting at this. Here's somebody shooting at that. And that's, like... None of us really came up like in, in to that to that extent. Everything about Atlanta was really creative, you know. Even right. if you was a thug, even if you even if you are a young thug, he's still super creative, you know. But that's what it's about is being the difference here. So with Rowdy, I'm open for I'm open for the difference. I'm open for all that shit that we are here and that we did, and it's it's got to be the new culture of kids like that that need that that outlet. So Hell yeah. we back, man. We back to be crazy. Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> Shall we take some questions from the fans, from the audience? Oh, shit. We didn't even go to Monica, did we? That's what was crazy the other day about D-Nice is, um... <laughs> Man, you know, we ain't even had her on the couch. Well, it wasn't the... It was, yeah, for the awards. Yeah, yeah we did have Monica. Even, she came through and presented. I heard... What you heard? What you heard? <laughs> oh, what you hear? I heard somebody stole on somebody. Oh, that, that oh, I mean, oh, back, back in, I mean. Yeah. But you know what's funny, though? If y'all watch the verses, <laughs> if you watch the verses yourself, I have to say nothing else. Like, it, everybody saw what shade was being in and out of there. Like, you see people on there, did she just throw shade? Oh, that's why she be, oh, that's why Monica be acting like that. Oh, that's why, it's just, that's the, it's just the difference in being from L.A. at the time, from Atlanta at the time. Yeah. Well, period. Yeah. This is period. Monica, one thing about her was she's always been very like, <clears throat> starting off where she's just tough as hell. She was, 
mad a lot of times, like, because she was just like mad at maybe her pops and what was going on in the environment she was in. And so she was mistaking for real. She'd come in there and just be rolling her eyes all day long and like wearing a bunch of little damn chains from Greenbrier Flea Market and a bunch of little, <laughs> little, 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 little sweatsuit, always in a sweatsuit. And when uh, she started calling me dad real young, when she first, because, and her mom said, Look, I hope this don't bother you because I'm just glad that she's looking at, looking at somebody as a male figure, different than the way she looked at what's been going on in her life, because that's where all this anger comes. I'll go in the, the vocal booth, and she'd be just going, rope, 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 like, oh, hang, 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 I'm like, what did you, what? Because you wouldn't see it come out of her. She'd be like, yeah, dad, I'm ready. Let's do another part. But it would come out of her in other ways. Like, she'd be in fights or getting violent with, you know, who she, if somebody, she would snap fast, you know. And she went through a whole lot of shit, um, like, coming up, like, just always in Leela Valley, you know, always taking care of who she was with in the projects and things like that. And by the time she, it's funny because we kept, every time we would get Monica to one point, she would do something else. Like, we shot the first Don't Take It personal video down at uh, Checkers down on Old National. Next day, after we shot it, she got her hair down the hill, she got on jerseys, all that. Next day, I see her hair cut all the way off. And I'm like, well, we got we just put, shot a video. They're not going to think you're the same person. Let's shoot another one. So then we shot the one in black and white. Then by the time we got to the next day, you know, she went and got a tattoo. Like she was 14 with a big ass tattoo on her arm. And I'm like, oh, and this is not during the time where that was supposed to be acceptable. Like, they were like, you got what, you know? So we put the band on her arm. So everybody's like, oh, Monica got a band on her arm. That's cute. No, no, she's hiding a tattoo. Um, <laughs> <then> <laughs> she shows up. She's, uh, she shows up one day to the studio and she got C Murder in the car. Yeah, this is my boyfriend. I'm like, okay, and C Murder's ready to go kill. He's mad that day. He's going to do something. I'm like, oh, man, we got to go tag somebody. I'm like, okay, honey. <laughs> I think he was mad at Bow Wow somebody. So I said, honey, like, Whoa, you gotta get the, better. What's um, <laughs> going so fast, bruh? It's going so fast. First of all, she call you dad. Yo, shit is dad. <laughs> you know what's funny? Dudes around, they've been calling me dad in Atlanta for a long time, like even Big Boy and them, I guess, because, you know, it's one of those things where he's like, dad, you know? And plus, I used to sit and talk to everybody about shit. Like, if you got any contracts you're going through, if you got any. Names, come talk to me, man. Let me tell you what I went through first. Like, uh, let me help you not make the mistake I made. Because if I made it, if you don't do it, then I feel better about the fucked up shit I did or the, the wrong decision I made. You know what I'm saying? Now me and Newface got to figure out what the fuck Bow Wow did to make C murder so Come man. on. We got to start a whole hip-hop investigation. I think, you know what it was? You know what it was? I think that it was either he said, they said something about Lil Romeo or maybe it was a rap with Lil Romeo. You know, it was some like, little shit like that. But look. It was, it was, he was mad at We had no idea. No idea that C-Murder would have wrote. Oh, C-Murder wasn't happy. Lil Bow Wow don't even know. And then, he can't be walking around in life And then Clyde Davis was happy. like, Clyde Davis no was like, Dallas, you can't be having a date with somebody named Murder. Because he looked at Monica like Whitney, his Whitney, he looked at her, especially in coming up singing For You I Will and all the like, pop songs that started to go there. And, and then we got to the to uh, the second album with Street Symphony and the boy's mind and stuff. And he's like, Dallas, no, 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 no. You have to talk to her. She can't be dating somebody named Murder. It's not good for her image. I'm like, well, he just rapped on the Street Symphony. So how you going to tell her that that shit ain't going out? Because she ain't going to like that. I have to talk to her about this. So that's, why, you, why are you talking to her about that? She's got two diamonds putting her teeth right here, too. <laughs> <laughs> Monica would just come back different every time. Oh, she was full on. She had one time, one time she had a Lincoln Continental bro round with a rag top and was sitting on like 35s or something. And I would notice she pulled up to the studio because the trunk would be rallying. 
Like <laughs> the legend grows, bro. Like we thought Monica was who we thought she was, but she No, even we knew. More. <laughs> we knew. She even more than what we oh, yeah, Lincoln on some 35. Oh, yeah, that's just like Yeah, she's that's why she but you know, I'm proud of what she's turned. She's turned into exactly what I, her songs were so grown for her, like when she was singing Wild Love You So Much or like, you know, uh Angel of Mine, or these songs, like she sings them now. And they, now they really make sense because she's grown up to be singing them. So when you go to one of her shows, everybody's singing these songs like, oh, angel of mine, you know. But she was singing these at 13 and 14 years old. So it's great that she could grow into her songs. She, sung the same, she sounds the same, more control. But when you hear the songs now, coming from her from a grown-up standpoint, it's, it's like it's a hit to me. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's yeah. her songs was able to carry. She didn't rely on like you know. And Mo just get fly every day. Like her, you look at her Instagram. Mo be going in. She be like flyed out. Somebody she just don't hit a curve of like, okay, maybe I ain't married no more. So I'm flying it way out. And she doing it. She doing her thing. I'm proud of. Her. Hell yeah, we love it here at eighty five South. Hell yeah, we always have it. We always have Man. That shit is crazy. You didn't really sit here and fuck me up today, Dallas. Hey, man. Can we just, can, we got a Michael Jackson, <laughs> Prince, James Brown, Madonna, Madonna's Ghost, <laughs> Suge Knight, Puff Daddy. Monkey. Bubbles. <laughs> yes. He has a night. George. Oh, man. <laughs> Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. <laughs> He's uh, Quincy. He um, I'll tell you when I was going to get Drumline made. Um, it was it was taking me a long time, right? It took me ten years to make Drumline. By the way, I stuck with that shit for ten years, um, just just trying to get it right, trying to get it. If you don't make a movie in Hollywood, they can all of a sudden say, "Hold on, we ain't gonna make it, but we don't want nobody else to make it either." So we gonna, we're gonna keep it and turn around. And so you can't get it back to go make it nowhere else, and then you can't make it with them. So that happened to Drumline. So I go to Quincy, and I said, man, you know, I got this marching band movie that's, that's, uh, that's stuck. How do I get this unstuck, man? Like, what did you do? He showed me, he put in a video, right, of uh, <laughs> Oprah, uh, Danny Glover. They looked like they came out the West End Mall. They had on, like, like <laughs> Oprah had on, like, pink sweatpants with, like, lime green flip-flaps and, like, hair all over the place. Danny Glover, looked, I mean, they looked just like this hanging out the West End Mall, and then they're in this theater. And... Um, and he's recording them, and, uh, and they're doing the color purple. They're acting out like test runs for the color purple, right? He goes to me, he says, who you think holding that camera? I said, you. He said, nope, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I said, holding the camcorder? He said, yeah. He said, you got to get somebody Jewish if you want to get that movie made. So I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you got to have somebody Jewish on your side to really get it made like you want to get it made. So at the time, I was signed to EMI Sony and Jody Gerson, who is who signed me, right? So I called her. I said, yo, Quincy said I need to find somebody Jewish to make this movie. She said, <laughs> she said well, I'm Jewish. She said, uh, can I co-produce it with you if you do it? I said, yeah. She said, good, because I got my friend, Wendy Feinerman. She just came off of Forrest Gump and Castaway. Oh. So I go back in the Fox and I say, hey, I got Wendy Feinerman. I'm going to make Drumline. And she's like, they're like, yeah, right. You got her? She said, you got her, you can do whatever you want. So she, called, she looked at me, the lady said, I have no idea what this movie's about. I have no idea what a marching band is, but I think you do. So I'm just gonna force you out so you can go make the movie. I'm probably gonna make a lot of money. You probably won't, but that's how it's gonna go for your first film, but you'll get it made. So I'm like, all right, fuck it, okay. So I came back to Atlanta, 
with the with the and everybody thought I think when I was making drumline, everybody thought I was I don't know what they thought I was doing because you know I got the hookup was out and some kind of beat like I think Snow in the Bluff you know was out. So I think the people thought I was making like yeah, some, that, some other yeah, shit. Right? No, I don't think nobody and, was expecting you. I was about to say, nigga, you I got enough money not movie. to do that shit. I would have been mad like, with you. I couldn't get people in the movie I wanted. I'd be like, yo, man, the, the Luda, man, can you do this rap part for me? He's like, oh, no, man, we might be like, you know. And um, so then the movie went from 13 million to 18 million because they didn't realize how much. I had to record the marching bands, right? Write songs for the marching bands, record them in the warehouse, and then have them for playback. So it became a lot of, uh, a lot of, it came more money. And so they called me from Fox and said, yo, this movie's going from 13 to 18, put white people in it. So I said, okay, well, how many white people? Because if I don't get this right, the white people ain't gonna like it. You know what I'm saying? This is a marching band movie, so we don't care. Put white people in the movie, the budget's going over. So I'm saying, I gotta figure this out. I go to the AU Center and they're having a step show, right? So Five Beta Sigma comes out and they got this dude, I, think, I thought he had on a mask because I thought he was doing the Eminem. You know, everybody got their gigs and whatever. So they got all the purple suits on and they got this white kid, blonde hair. And where I'm sitting there, I swear it's a mask. I think he's going to take it off. So I'm like, oh shit, this a white kid in Phi Beta Sigma? I'm like, hold on. So then I started looking around the AU to see if it was some character like that in the AU Center. And it was this kid that, that lived down the street from the AU Center. He always wanted to be a drum major. And he had red hair and freckles too. And he would play the hell out of the symbols of Morris Brown. So then I'm like, oh, okay, we can figure this out. They said, no, we want white bands. So I actually put Georgia Tech, Georgia State, uh, whoever had white bands, I put them all in drumline. But it was fucking atrocious, because imagine that. Imagine seeing them stand there going, dun, 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 dun. and imagine fucking like Bethune or family, anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson State. So you're like, this, you can't do this to the schools, you know what I'm saying? Right. FAMU, by the Come way, on, yeah, was that's like this. FAMU yeah. was like, Come on. We ain't getting in there because we can't lose. Yeah, that's said, what, that no, was no. the story. They said they refused to lose. They refused to lose. Doctor, he's like, he's like, we're, like not getting in, we're not getting there to lose. So what I did was made a fake school, right? I make Atlanta A&T. It don't exist. It's a fake school so that nobody had to lose to another school, right? right? right I wasn't going right. to be on camera saying fam beat Southern right. or Bethune or whatever, right? So make a fake you know, Right. People still like, we're not losing to them either. <laughs> we definitely losing to some fictitious school. We got a shit in this. So school you made up, they record is zero, is zero. <laughs> not <laughs> us, baby. Yeah, man. That's fucked up, because I wanted to see us in there, but it, it's cool, it worked out. And then the Southwest the Cab is most of the band, Atlanta A&T, mostly a high school band. Right. So we just call ourselves making up everything. Then people start coming to Atlanta looking for the school. <laughs> they want to go there. Like, that's in oh, North Carolina, man. bro. You started getting applications. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like they said you could get me into the advanced program. <laughs> hey, bro, what's happening, bro? Him and old girls. They still good. <laughs> Damn. That's yeah, crazy man. as hell. But had, but doing that, I wish I wish I had a got like two percent of every every movie that come here because I had to go to, I had to go to pass the film bill right. So I went before the state of Georgia and tried to pitch. Hey, I need y'all to like uh, make a film bill for us so I could film ATL here. They wanted to send me to New Orleans to shoot ATL. And I'm like, how much shoot crazy. a skating rink movie with all my friends in it that I skated with in New Orleans? It's like it's cheaper to shoot it out there. So get ready to shoot it out there. So then I went to. Uh, you know, I went to start lobbying down here, going to Sunny Purdue, and then we're going, yo, man, we got a film build. I want to shoot ATL in Atlanta. Um, and so I was just kind of talking shit. I was like, yo, tell the governor 
if you want, because they said, well, Tony Purdue want to talk to you about this. So, yeah, right. Tell him you want to talk to me, come to my house. Right? So I was just talking shit, obviously. Right? Because he's Republican and I'm Democrat. It was so far away from that happening. I thought that would never happen in my life. But all of a sudden, I'm having a thing at my house, um, like this little Maybach event or something they were doing. And, and then this my little, sister. This little Maybach. You know, I think it was introducing the car or some shit. I don't, they I don't introducing know. the car? Yes. <laughs> 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 they brought it to your house to introduce it. They shit wasn't good enough to introduce they, it. They, they, they said like we cannot little, show like, the people where we made this motherfucker. We have not cleaned but up. Bro, 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 like where, where you? <clears throat> don't, where, where you at in life when when the when the Maybach is the, is the little car shit they doing in my house? <laughs> where the fuck? What? Man, car shit. Not a Mercedes event, not the 350. But it's crazy though, because they were back shit they do in the back. Who was in Atlanta too? Because this is like, I just got my house. It took me like six years to build my house, whatever, right? And I just yeah. finished it. My shit was built and when I bought like, it. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Already built. Motherfucker had the nerve to be living in that bitch. <laughs> the nerve of these niggas. Can you believe that? I bought a used house. <laughs> I wish the fuck somebody would host anything in my yard. This little Maybach shit. (laughs) (laughs) Nigga stole the fruit out of my yard. (laughs) (laughs) He worried about this little Maybach shit. I don't know where the peaches. You got fruit (laughs) thing. Man, that's a different part of it. No, no, but they send they send Sonny Purdue to my house, and my sister said, "Yo, the governor's coming." I'm like, he's coming here. I was just talking shit. What am I say to do when he get here? I don't know, but he on the way. So my thing was, I right, will put the kids in white polos. Give me my white polo shirt, and we're gonna do this thing, right? So he comes in, we all white poloed out. Like, there's people, there's a party going on in there. So he's like, Dallas, I don't know what to do. You know, can you go speak at the G8 summit and help us get this? I'm just not familiar with what this takes, you know? So I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll go to G8 summit. I got this shit. I speak on it. I got it. We're gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. Now, keep in mind, and I'm lobbying for this. So I got lobbyists, you know going to pass this bill and all this shit. So I'm thinking, here it is the night before the G8 Summit. Now, the G8 Summit is in Sea Island, Savannah, right? I'm up. Now we know where the shit is. We finna go lobby, bitch. Smoking, right? <laughs> I'm working the night before. I'm making beats. My man keep going, like, you know, you got to do this shit tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, nigga, we going out to the, the fucking summit. I got this shit. I'm thinking it's the fucking G4. You know that channel G4? They got the, the, the games and shit, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to the G4 Summit, right? So I'm on the plane. I'm, I'm on the way to the plane like this. This nigga's like, you crazy, what are you doing? I'm like, baby, I'm be ready. I get on the plane, I'm drinking Bloody, drinking Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah, right? So, now, Savannah ain't that far, right? So, we start to fly out Savannah, I start looking out and I see tanks, like military tanks everywhere and shit. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you going to speak at the G8 Summit, nigga? What you talking about? I'm like, yeah, but what, why they got tanks? He's like, where do you think you're going? I said, what, the, you know, the video games, like where all the games and shit, they be showing you new shit. Showing, talking about entertainment, showing you new stuff. He's like, no, my man, you're going to speak where George Bush and Tony Blair, all the world leaders are there. All the world leaders are there, and I'm landing. Shh. I'm seeing Hummers and tanks, I'm like, shit. So I got a speech this lady wrote for me. I ain't even look at this yet, because I, I thought I was going to this place. I was just going to wing it, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I like games, nigga. I, <laughs> PlayStation, that shit is a motherfucker, man. Drop the new Xbox expeditions. Who wants to be on Man, I get up there. I'm nervous as hell. I get. I walk up in the room. All you can see is suits and flags from the United Nations and all these different countries and shit. And, I'm and like, you smell like weed. Oh man, I smell like something. Either Bloody Marys or something. Because I've been drinking the whole time on that goddamn plane. And I had to leave there. I, I went into a bathroom and washed my face off and shit because I didn't know where I was going. 
try to get my little shit together. And then I get there and I haven't looked at this speech. And I open the speech up at the podium and it's every big word you ain't never seen in your life. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh shit. And I'm just looking, I'm just like, it says on behalf of the congressional state of Georgia is how I start off. And then everything else, I'm just like, too big. I'm just looking around the room, sitting there and like all suits. So I just like, I just bought this shit up. I was like, man, okay, check this out. I'm from College Park, right? And I'm trying to make this movie here, right? And it's from Atlanta, by Atlanta. We should be making it here. Why y'all trying to send me to New Orleans? Like, this place could be the Swiss Alps. It could be any place. Georgia could be anywhere. It could be this, that, and the other. There's just so much money you're missing, so much stuff here. We got to keep our economy here. These kids are going to school at Georgia State and all these art schools, and they can't go out here to work nowhere. They got to go to Hollywood. You're missing the whole industry. By the time I finished, well, they had a, I had a standing ovation, and everybody behind me was going. And like Dallas said, <laughs> And we appreciate that. Like Dallas said. What? Yeah, that one right there. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Still Whatever you said opened up the floodgate because it came now through. They shoot more shit here in Atlanta than they shoot in Hollywood. Yep. Um, so, that, yeah, they opened the floodgate, bro. It was like, so I'm trying to get a big statue, like one of like a statue of Liberty statue. Get that man, statue, statue. What you want? You want a big Even keyboard? if they had you doing you some shit on the statue that you didn't even do, it could be outside of Phillips Arena and you dunking on the motherfucker. It don't oh. fucking matter. Oh, I got one. Go ahead. We gonna have to redo Stone Mountain. You gotta put him up there. Oh yeah. We're bidding for Outkast to go up there. They gonna never let us go up there. Man, come the crazy on. part maybe, about Stone maybe Mountain is you. Outcat, and then it's like a little Mount Rushmore because it, it ain't it, everything that came back to the one. They used to burn. I used to see in, my, in our textbooks. They used to have pictures of Stone Mountain with crosses burning on top of them. So I was always, I've been always scared to go to Stone Mountain. Yeah, I've probably been there one time. They didn't do that shit back in the day either. They built the shit when it was clearly racist. Oh yeah, that shit was finished in the seventies and shit. They had to lie about what the fuck they was building. Who that is? Oh, that's well. We gotta uh, figure out it's John how to, Wayne. We gotta figure out Buckhead. Like somebody, you gotta figure. Somebody, you gotta. What? I don't, I don't understand. Like can't be niggas from Atlanta because nobody's getting shot at, at South DeKalb or in the regular Greenbrier. It's all at Lenox. So I feel like that is is just getting crazy out here. And we gotta at some point on the police, the mayor, <laughs> somebody had to do something about it. It's really getting out of control. And I feel like Atlanta for the dudes that say like certain things. We just like two chains was saying we don't. To really stab people in the club, you know what I'm saying? We don't do it. It's just, it's, it's just weird that it's, it's taking this toll, and they gotta really flip this shit up down here and get, get us, get us safer. Don't go to Far Road, by the way. If you can't go to Far Road, if you don't watch, hey, what is the ATL school? Well, you be sitting there watching. That, that should have you scared to go everywhere. So don't look at that because <laughs> I don't find myself. Oh, this nigga got shot in the, the corner. Of this they bust out everybody windows. Like even coming down here, I, I got my gun in the car. I don't know. Why you say that? Because, man, I'm just like, <laughs> I ain't know where I'm going. He said, he said the West End Mall. He didn't even tell me I was coming to the to the to the creative spot. He, he said, oh yeah, by the West End, by the West End. <laughs> you you been looking at ATL? Let's call nigga. Try me. I got my slingshot on over there. <laughs> got my slingshot on me too. Don't fuck oh, around. No, no man, we man, we ain't gonna let nothing happen to you, man. It's too much good shit. That you do out here in the world, bro. Look at all the shit that you've no, said. Man, I'm, I'm protected by the I'm, I'm protected by the Lord, man. And man, Michael the Jackson. Of, man. And Michael Jackson. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Bro, he could go from Shut up. All right. Shut up. You gotta give the Lord his credit. Give his Lord his credit to give the Michael Jackson. Another big thing, I one more big announcement to make that I think everybody should be proud of from Atlanta is that we are getting our own walk. 
of fame, like the Star Walk in, in Hollywood. So you will like, and they're gonna put it, I thought they was trying to make us stick it on Martin Luther King, which has been fine too. But we was like, no, 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 we gotta be over there at the stadium. You know, we need to be right where everybody walking out the soccer games and you know, they coming out of Phillips Arena. We gotta keep How pushing, many spots y'all. they got? I think, we, it, well, it's, they're expensive, so you do start with the first 10. And How then much you, the spots go for? About 30, 40,000. 30, 40, I mean, so I can do, do it with a payment plan. <laughs> Let me get on yours. Let me get on yours. Let's do one together. Have you, have me. Long ways to say it. What I mean, long ways. <laughs> you get both of them in that bitch. We'll be dapping each other up on that bitch. <laughs> Towards the end. Towards the end. The one toward the end. We'll be the last one. We'll be, we'll be down there by way of uptown. Last step. All right. We'll be way down there. You know you're at the end when you see Carlos and Clayton. You're almost out of there. When you see Carlos and Clayton make a right, you're going to take that on straight to the industry. That's what's cool about it, though. It's the entertainment walk. So it will include y'all. It will include actors. It will include sports. It won't just be music. Um, you got to be up at the front. You got a statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta ask one more thing. Yep. What was the wildest night in Atlanta? <sighs> in Atlanta, the, in Dallas general? Austin's wildest night in Atlanta. Oh boy, damn! <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, I was a popcorn. All right. All right. So. So it's me, Whitney Houston, Jackie Chan, and Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> we on Old National. Why you keep taking that front of the Old Man? Frozen Palace. Well, you know, we had that we had that wave that kicked in by the Y2K, where everybody's on ecstasy. Right? The Y2Ks came in and the Mitsubishi's and the damn like that's when it first hit Atlanta, like like the real fun epidemic. So everybody was wild, everybody was out and like happy as hell and going to MJQs and shit. And like, so me and Sleepy Brown and Joy and Gip and, uh, <laughs> uh was it, Rizonda, like all of us used to all hang in, a, in, a, in our own little pack, in our own little squad. And um, so we had, I think it was like Christmas or something like that, but all of us had been like, I think the MJQs and we just thought it was a good idea to like, you know what, we gotta go Christmas shopping tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Why don't we just stay up and go to the mall? No, so makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, right? I've been there, especially if you took a Mitsubishi. Uh, oh man, dog <laughs> oh, yeah, it makes sense, right? We happen to go to the malls though, but all of us then decided we should all buy matching sweatsuits, right? Everybody, <laughs> me, sleepy, all of us starting in the Kappa sweatsuits with the chicks on the sleeves. So now all of us are switched into those in the mall. Now we're in a whole other world because we we just sit on joint. But by the time we all look around the stop, niggas sleeping on the on the, the, the counters and riches, <laughs> like sleeping in between, sitting here and there and all that. But karma, karma, the nightclub used to be our wildest days because we used to be we used to go underground, and you didn't go. We didn't go out until two in the morning. Like nobody went out at nine, ten, eleven o'clock. That wasn't Atlanta thing to do. You went out like one, two o'clock. You just stay out, come out, come back home, the daylight's out, you know what I'm saying? And in Karma, that was just like a whole nother, like, I don't know if it was, it might've been, the bot, it might've been this, I don't know how sinister, it was just sinister. It was, it was, it was fun, but it was dark because it was downstairs and I think across from where they had the, uh, the, the, federal, the federal building at. So they used to have slaves across the street, basically. Yeah. So you got this real eerie feeling going on with everybody in the whole place be down there rolling their fucking face off. And that was the to me. That was the to me though. That was the funnest time until the, the until the ecstasy starts going <coughs> in the after hours. 
Oh yeah, the after hours. Yeah. So when it actually started turning the after hours, like where like, cause that wasn't really for that. It was more like, hey, we're gonna hang out with the white kids. We're gonna hang out, and get mixed, and go to MJQs and all that. But when it started really moving to the, to the after hours and to the the, the, the black kids started taking the after hours, it started getting dangerous. Right. It started getting crazy. But I would say that that those nights, period, because it wouldn't be one night. I would say it would be an era, and that era was like to me the funnest era because it was, I think it was new. It wasn't. It didn't feel dangerous. It felt like fun. People, you listen to music, and you go around, and it was just something new to everybody. And you could tell when the new person tried it, because they would have walked in the club and they'd be like, "Oh shit, this is where everybody at." Oh, <laughs> yeah, goddamn. Why ain't nobody calling right me? Place. All this dancing. Let me know we in here. And don't forget shit. You know. <laughs> all this goddamn dancing. Ain't nobody uh, said a goddamn thing. <laughs> hey, dude, we saw the white people doing it. We didn't know they was with the glow sticks and the little like, baby not, bottles. You'd you be like, we not letting niggas know this shit's going on out here. Everybody's feeling good. You know what I'm saying? You don't let the, they, there you go. One, oh, this way y'all motherfuckers be at. Y'all ain't gonna tell niggas where y'all at. Ah. <laughs> but yeah, it was an era, man. I feel like that. I, I, it, it's I don't know really now. Like when I look at um, when I look at Atlanta, and I look at people even in the scenes and being out. Like it's a whole different city. You know, yeah. it's a lot. It's, it's grown a lot more metropolitan. You got your Beltline, and then you got like it's, it's a lot more culturally uh, significant than we were before. You know, yeah. we're the most culturally significant place on the damn planet right now. Yeah, because we, we got a lot of spots. Well, just in, in everything, like in music and culture and that, and everybody, if you look at Atlanta, it's, it's a lot of people from everywhere else, but like the culture that really resides from being from here, like the same shit that makes you change your tree tones, the same shit that makes Soldier Boy put uh, white out on his glasses. Right. You know, so right. it's always something new and it's always some other trend and culture. And I always say to kids here, you don't understand that they ain't been that long that you, your ass couldn't go to the same bathroom. Like they would have put the dogs on you and sprayed you down right here on the edge of 60 years ago. That ain't no long time ago for what we've accomplished during this time of being here, we've accomplished way more like, when you see dudes like, I wonder what Martin Luther King and them think about like the Migos. Or like when they see dudes with so I much like jewelry and cars and cars I and jewelry. I had a song like, <laughs> that went just <laughs> like bad and bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, running back, I wanna hear Quavo. This shit was all about the economy. They didn't want you to get rich. He would've yeah, liked you know, that shit. And, but you look at a little bit, you know, look at a little baby, you look at these dudes, you say, they need to make like, so much loot, they got money stacked on their ears, they got cars and shit for days. And this was about the economy, they wouldn't let you have green. That's what right. this was about. It wasn't about yeah, black and white. Right. It was about, we don't want you niggas to make no money. So the clans people was always baby, the store owners, the drugstore man, the mail, it was all these people saying, yo, these niggas fucking up and they gonna take over our shit. So it was business owners, they didn't want you to have the green. And when we kind of kicked through, like I remember when we first started making money, like me and JD around Atlanta, the accountants was weird, everybody was <clears> weird. <throat> like, what y'all doing? Like, how you get money like that? Because it was no legal way that they knew to make money without going to school, accounting, lawyering, or whatever. So we doing music, and they don't understand if a check comes in, it's like $500,000 and a kid back then, they're like, what are y'all doing? Right. What, how does this set up? They didn't want to give you loans for shit because you were still like, y'all black. You know what I'm saying? You can't get no loan for no house. Like, well, I got money in the bank. Well, how does you get money in the bank? How does royalties work? What is that? How does that? So we educated the city. You had to teach like, these niggas how to account. You had to teach account. the accountants how to. Yeah. Nigga, you the account. I would be so. Nigga, if you don't get to count, <laughs> got me in here counting my shit, man. Man, that is some Frank Lucas ass shit. You, you said you had, had to, to teach the accountants how to account. Yeah, because nobody knew about royalties. And then you young black kids got checks coming in with money. And like, you know, shit worked every six months. So like sometimes, 
run out of money, and then six months go by, they don't see no money come in. And then it's another period where royalties come in again. So they just didn't understand how that worked. And when they figured it out, they was like, shh. We got to get, we got to, we got a gold mine going here because it was, it's, recur- it's reoccurring, you know, it's a reoccurring cycle. The artist that's out now and the artist that's going to be out three years from now, still out here right now coming up, you know, right. so it's always going to be the cycle around Atlanta that just keeps doing that. Man, this man on political, <laughs> philosophical, <laughs> geographical, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, <laughs> historical. <laughs> Man, I don't know, I'm missing something. Spiritual. Thank you. I'm still missing some more. But, bro. Bro, this dude got his own. You the reason every letter in the alphabet, literally. Yeah, that tripped me out. I didn't know, um, I didn't really know. I was just doing a, um, I had to do something one day, and I was like, well, go to Wikipedia and look at the songs and list them out for us. And I'm like, damn, you got to click in the A. But we were doing album projects, too. So it was like, I was doing so many songs, man. So, yeah, you got to click on the A and go to the A songs and B, go to B songs and C, go to C songs. And I, I forgot. I did so many records, bro, for real, because when you're doing them every day like that for so many years, like, even with D-Nice was playing the other night, that's why I was tripping. I was never in tears because I'm like, oh, shit. Where did he get this from? You oh, forgot damn. your shit? Oh, all the time, bro. I'll be listening sometime on the radio, and I'm like, did I do this song? And then I was examining something, but I did do this song. Hold up, hey, 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 hey! <laughs> Bigfoot ass. <laughs> yeah, man, I, but I'll listen. As long as I come on the radio now, not how to say, did I do that? Or Shazam it or something, deeper it. You had to, you, know? you had to hit Shazam and be like, oh yeah, it is. When I got deeper, if I got deeper, yeah, I get deeper because it's better than Shazam because you get to go and see who really did shit. So like, I was, yeah, like. Plenty of times I'm sitting there going, did I do this song or did I not do this song? Like, oh yeah, that's Macy Gray, I did do that song. <laughs> you done did so many songs, you don't even know the song that you done did. You ever heard the shit and been like, man, this ain't me. Yeah. And then you looked and you was like, damn, this was me. Yeah, I did a whole, I did a whole I Macy Gray that. album that I, that I didn't know was me until I was like, cause some of them sound the same, you know, like when you work with artists, like I know I work with Macy Gray, or was it and then you had to be like, and then I was just like, oh yeah, those are my symbols. They got those. I know my goddamn symbols. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's I've been blessed. So I'm, you know, now it's about me helping out everybody else to get to that point, man. You know, you're not a king when you just got your own. You're supposed to have your own stuff as a man. You're supposed to be like, all right, that's my house, that's my this, that's my that. I take care of my moms. But like when you do that for other people and you got a whole bunch of people with that going on, then that's when you like. That's when you did something, like, when you're responsible for everybody else's houses and everybody else's cars and everybody else's kids going to school. Hell yeah, that's what I said, man. You brought at least 300 motherfuckers with at least. Oh, yeah. So about this little Maybach shit they be doing in your yard, man. <laughs> when, when, when they doing another one of them? Yeah. When do they come out? Because they don't send me no email or nothing. They just use it for like the show, you know. It's cool. It's it's after this. I, mean, I just hope by the summertime, maybe everybody got things back under control. I think it's be next summer, but at least we're on the right track to like going. But I don't think I don't know what happened in Atlanta. Though. I don't get it because I don't think Atlanta was shut down. You look at compounds, a thousand niggas on top of each other. It's like so I don't know if it's herd immunity. I don't go up around them type. Them well, different just type of motherfuckers. It just ain't enough uh, that shit to go around. around. I heard I ain't got it. I heard I ain't going there either. That's the herd. <laughs> what you heard? You better listen to yourself. <laughs> I heard that shit's still out here. Shit, you know I, I get going? my man. I try to stay separated. You want to be vaccine? 
Uh, so, so what, what y'all think about the vaccine? I've been taking it this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. This some of that good old vaccine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that shit just yet. I don't want to say yes or no. Shit, I want to stay safe. Wait, stay at the crib. I need yeah. to know what's in That's it. What what's the doing. ingredients? <laughs> For real. I'm allergic. I'm allergic to a bunch of shit, man. I heard Patron kill that shit off, though. So I've been drinking that every day. Patron? Patron, get it up off you? Yeah. I can see the light of devil. The Corona can't hang with the liquor, the weed. Like a rock star lifestyle? Yeah. That Corona ain't gonna, that, that shit gonna be done. That shit gonna leave on the next sneeze. Yeah, we can hope. They, they doing too much. Hey, Chapo, this your weed? Chap. Damn. This Chapo weed is your weed? This, this is my weed. Oh, shit. Yeah, chapter. Uh, this shit smoking like tree. Exactly. So I'm used to smoking switches. I smoke a joint. I get high as hell. I get I get sitting at the green light high. Well, I just be sitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this some of that. <laughs> well, shit, man. What more can you say, man? Dallas Austin in the trap. Eighty-five trap show. What, what, what are you, do you want them to follow you on anything or anything coming up, any promo or any yep. more of this great shit you Rowdy got going Records, on? Rowdy Records in the building, um, Johnny Apollo, Ichapo, Deuce Mino, we got a whole squad, Trip the Hit Major, um, oh yeah. You see this? Oh yeah, that's, that's popular demand, that's our new record is out right now. Go, go check the record, download Chap Record, and if you're around town, you know, you might want to get one of these trays. It's just nice, nice trays coming in that bag. That's all. Some nice trays, just, you know. Oh, nice that. music. Um, we got the whole setup. You got the whole setup. Putting it to use right bro. now. Um, but yeah, we dropping records. Everybody check out. Go to go to Spotify. Look at the Rowdy Records playlist. We've been dropping records all year. We're gonna drop a lot more this year. Um, it's just you know we're trying to get moving, man. In the time with the pandemic, it's a little harder. <coughs> but yeah, know. we need a VX and a Z so you can have a song for every. Let it now. A VX and a Z. A VX and Z. I got work to do. I'm going to the crib. Yeah. I'm still missing three of those. Yeah, yeah, I got to go back. Now I got something. I got to go like focus on this, bro. Vasilaraptor. Yeah, it's me, Pink. CL from CL Smooth. Exactly. What we got? We got what they done set up? Mike. What is this? That's just for, for the back. Oh, okay. Hey, Dallas. Anytime you want to come through here and, and kick it and bless the game, yeah, this man. is only 199th of all the shit he has done. Anytime you need to come through and put us back yeah, up, man. I always come back up. I got tons of more stories. I know stories, you got bro. most. And you probably yeah. left out some parts, too. That's what I was thinking with, uh, when I was listening to D Nice the other day. Um, my Charlotte's called me. She said, "Damn, they didn't even play this. They didn't even play that. They didn't even play this. They didn't even play that. They didn't even play this." Cause they, I, I, it was just a trip to see how many uh, how many records he played. That was like, you know, either album records or records I did on somebody that that he just dug in the crates for it. So, so now I got to go add some more um, songs to the alphabet. 
you know, I can't be can't be slacking over here. Like three hey, away. Well. I'm like Tiger Woods. Y'all watch the Tiger Woods documentary? They yes. never. That made you. I would have really never feel came like, out and, and said nothing about my. Host. I would have never came out and said none of that. But the the victory story and that guy, the, he, I think he's gonna get to the 19. I think he's gonna get to that that Jack Nicholas now that. This he's a, he's broke amazing. His foot and kept playing. He broke his back three times. He didn't have back surgery three times, and he done been like. He went through the craziness, all that. Now he done bounced back out again and won in 2019. So, now he did some shit where he hit the club with a lesser club, and he hit it further than the other dude did. Like he just stunted on him. Yeah, man, watch this shit. Watch that shit. It's a beast. Yeah. He, he done went through a lot of shit. But that, yeah, and that's he ain't say shit. Story. That's the gangster shit about it. Yeah, it's so much. He didn't. He took way more shit than the average nigga would have took. Yeah, because he would have. He, he would have been snapped by now. Get off the goddamn. Camera on my fucking face. <laughs> he ain't did none of that shit. Dallas would have slapped all them niggas like James <laughs> Brown told him. That shit would just come out when the shit went wrong. Fap, fap, fap. With a silk shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> One button button, just that little that little bottom button. Dallas, tell us. Get that <laughs> Spring some glitter on him. It's just how we live. I got them outfits at the crib too, if you want to try that on one day. I got the I got the like the sex machine outfit. Like the, with the hole in it right here, the, the hole. What? <laughs> James Brown? Yeah, I got a lot of this clothes and shit. Nigga, <laughs> stop telling people shit like this, nigga. Your house is a national treasure. Wait a minute. Don't tell nobody where you live. It's going to be some group of bitch trying to wear the shit out. I brought it. I brought this shit when I came in here. But, bro, do you understand if I had some shit like that? It don't just sit in the clock. I'm going to wait till I got company. I'm coming downstairs. Man, what the fuck you got on? Nigga, this is the original James living in America. <laughs> Who wants breakfast? <laughs> Man, it's two in the afternoon. I didn't ask you a damn This nigga came downstairs, I bullshit you not, with a James Brown jumpsuit and some wrestling boots. <laughs> oh, shit. That shit crazy. You got, well, hey man, new face, he got you, bro, probably. He probably got you, though. New face, what you bring, man? Look, you know new face, of course. New face got all the, he got he all had, the he had, shit. He, he another one. Oh, yep. He probably got your demo tape. That's Rowdy Records. You recognize that? Damn. another one of your Damn. You got Miss Thing autographed by yourself and Monica as well already, Rowdy Records. And over five million sold. Damn. Dude. He sure did. But then we got their first album. Damn. Shit. Looking at cassettes like you ain't seen a cassette. I know, man. Damn. I told you, watch out. New face shit be having a little shit in there. (laughs) An old ecstasy pill fall out that bitch. (laughs) A Mitsubishi will fall off in your lap. What is that, man? Don't look. Hey, okay. hey, give it back. Hey. <laughs> hey. Close it out. Damn, this is crazy. This is this is this is a trip. I heard Oh, these little niggas were the baddest niggas ever in life. I I, I quit the music business out there for a while. That shit was crazy. Like, they made you quit the music business? What? These little niggas won, they were like 12, 11, 13, and like they left out trick me. She told me, she's like, yo, I got the baddest little rap group you ever seen. When she bought them niggas around, it was like Lil Red Man and, and uh, Lil Tretch, right? 
And they were like finishing each other's sentences and they were like, you know, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, damn, these little dudes are, are cool. So left, I was like, I gotta go on tour, I'll be back. Then, I mean, she brought them to me and literally left the next day, right? I did not know these little niggas were like little tyrants like that, bro. First thing they do is start stealing the engineer's cars. They would put pillows on the pillow because it was too little. So they would put a pillow in the seat, steal the engineer's car, right? <clears throat> then the first time they brought it back, they, they, they told the police that their mom was drunk or some shit, and they took the car to go help her out. Anyway, they got the police to bring them, escort them back to dark. Well, then they go, they, they made it back to the studio, but on the studio, you have to go down the side like this to park in the back. They scraped this car up the whole fucking way down the back, right? All right, so then, one day I get a call. Um, Do you have a son named Lamoris Edwards? I'm like, no. Like, uh, well, this is the Clayton County Police. Uh, we got your son down here. I was like, I don't have a son. I'm like, well, what about Malik? Tell him it's Malik, tell him it's Malik. I hear him in the background. Uh, what did he do? Well, we found him in a stolen Cherokee and he crashed into a house on Riverdale Road. <laughs> Through somebody's living room, he had a pistol in the car and weed. I'm like, okay. So they were constantly doing shit like this. And then check this shit out. I sent them on a promo tour, right? They were, the kids were great. They were like, you know, everybody was like loving them because they were just bad as hell. They cussed like a motherfucker. They write their own raps. They, they were like just the ultimate little two kids, right? I, I take them. Um, they're supposed to go on a promo tour. And... We start this $500,000 promo tour, half million dollar promo tour. They go to LA the first stop and never left. They got to the first stop and got with, got with Snoop and Dre and Suge, right? The ghost like, God damn it. They got with Suge and, and, um, and then Snoop and Dre. And of course, Dre and Snoop was hot as hell. So it's like, they wanted to be up under Dre and Snoop. And then, so they stayed there and stayed there. And the BMG was like, they're supposed to be in Seattle tomorrow. They're telling the people, we're going to hit you in the head with a hammer. You try to make us leave, y'all. And so the lady's like, they threatened to hit me in the head with a hammer. I can't be on this tour no more with them. So I'm like, shit. Well, now they're really staying out there. Now it's been like two, three weeks. Now Clive Davis like, Dallas, you got to go get him. I got to go get him. From death row? I'm not going to get him. He's like, Dallas, they're stars. You have to go get them. So I'm like, all right. So... Yeah, I am going to death row, and I get off the elevator, right? And plus, I get off the elevator there, it's just death row. Big niggas everywhere. Ain't no furniture nowhere. Ain't no furniture no in there. No furniture. Big niggas. Big niggas sitting on big niggas. Big niggas. <laughs> 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 ain't no furniture. They like, I'm like, whatever they doing in here, they ain't fucking around. There's like, there's a fold-out table, fold-out chair, and a red death row big rug. And so I'm like... You know, so I go in there, go to talk to Suge. Suge's like, man, you know, we should do these gigs together, man. You know what I'm saying? Artists ain't loyal. You know how that is, Dallas. They got out here, they got around Dre and Snoop. Now they want to be on Death Row. So why we just do Death Row Rowdy? I was like, why don't you just keep them little motherfuckers? Like, you just give me a check for what I spent on them and you just have them because this, this ain't going to get it, you know? And then he said, all right, man, well, you know, we'll work something out. You know, that's what you know they're in good hands, you know? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, let me, I just got to get out of here safe. And... So then I see the kids, they come in, they all like, ah, they're, yo, man, it ain't me, it's him, it's him, it ain't me, it's him, man. So I'm like, all right, I, I'm going back to Atlanta, I'll catch y'all later on, right? By the time I get back to Atlanta, right, Malik show up a few days later. And he's like, yo, man, you know, I can't be fucking with this nigga out there. Like, fuck that, man, I want to be solo. I'm like, you want to be solo? 
like they started the solo shit on early. I'm like, you can't just let's finish the group first, whatever. But he had got convinced that that somebody put something on him, like roots or something, Malik. He's like 13. And like, man, I think my grandma, somebody put some roots on me, man. I just want to be back in Atlanta. I think he just wasn't getting his way out like he wanted in, in, in LA. He saw a chance for him to come back out here. And by the time they got here, bro, like they had everything so set for the kids, but they were so wild and so bad and with the shit at the whole time that we couldn't, you know, they would have been huge at this point um, because they was writing their rhymes at like 12 years old and just cutting niggas' legs off with the rhymes. Like you don't want to, big niggas didn't want to battle rap them because they little and they out rap you. And, and, but they, they got stuck out. This was the crazy part. We, we um, so if they did the work they're supposed to do, this all makes sense. But they missed the whole promo tour, right? So now the Billboard Awards come up for that year, right? So now, these are the categories. These are the, this is who's up for it. Rap record of the year. Diggable Planet's cool like that. Yeah. Hip-hop parade, naughty by nature. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going, yeah, song after song. Illegal, we gets busy. Everybody's like, who's that? <laughs> yeah. And the winner is Illegal, we gets busy, right? You see everybody like, who the fuck? Who is that? Because, you know, in the way Clive had planned out the politics, uh, I mean, Whitney Houston got like 13 Billboard Awards that year. So it was an Arista thing, you know, it was like an Arista thing. And it's just that they didn't fill the glass up. So it just looked, it didn't, it panel like, well, who the, how do Nobody's we? Nobody's song. Nobody see them for it. But there's the most talented little kids, man, that like, they, they was bad as fuck. But after that, I needed a, I took a rap break. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a little rap break because they were just like, shit. It sound like it, man. Plus, they, they're young, so you can't do nothing with them in here because they're they too young. So, where well, they were, it's like 13, 14. Yeah, if Suge would have killed them little niggas, or uh, let a Rottweiler <laughs> eat one of them little niggas, you would have been responsible. They were signed to Rowdy. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I ain't <laughs> I can't believe you left some kids with Suge like that. <laughs> Out of all the shit you said, that's the most irresponsible shit. They went. They were supposed to be on tour, dog. Barbecuing with corrupt and dads, and they didn't want to come back out here. It's like, <laughs> and I'm like, how you gonna send me into the, in the lion's den to go get them? Shit. Damn. Man, <laughs> Full of history. Wow. I'm sure that tape brought back memories. It did. I was like, damn, man. You got your other artists over here, too. Jamal, that dude right here is bad. Jamal is crazy. He's like, he, he was always like the, that's, he's the rowdy one in the first place. Cause he always wanted to fight and box and like, Leak didn't get it cause he wanted to be all smooth and Jamal was just out, just straight up Philly out of control. He went with Death Squad for a long time. They, both of them, man, like, I would, it, it's, I would like to see kids as talented as they are, as talented as they were. I feel like the, I don't know, all the access and all the other shit is weakening everybody. And what they're hearing is, what they, what they got to live up to is so low. Where they was trying to live up to, you know, rappers and MCs. They were like trying to battle rap people and learn how to rap better and have more skills and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like just now, you know, the bar is low. It's not hard to do it. You know what I'm saying? What everybody doing is just like, oh, I can do that too. Right. But that shit was like crazy. I can't believe these cassettes, bro. They look so little. Was it little like, like this right there? Yeah. Man, they so, bro. Because <laughs> A-Tracks was the fat ones. That shit would look like a VHS. Man. Yeah, man. That's them. TLC fan mail. This was crazy because we, uh, 
Like when we um, that shit was DL killed this this cover. When we first did, we first finished Fan Mail, you know, left eye quit the group doing the whole record. She was like, all right, I ain't, I ain't, if y'all ain't doing my ideas, then I'm quitting. Um, and so I had to create the virtual Vicky to rap in all the songs. And so I would take the Macintosh, take each word, like if you listen to Silly Ho or any of those songs, most of the songs you hear the robot rapping, you hear the computer rapping in it. And I had to take it and put it in the um, keyboard to make it rap on beat. So, you know, you can't get with this. One night, you just tell about Find out who to give it up. Like, cause she totally was like, she's not fucking the group. So like, we got to make a virtual version of her. And so most of the records is like me making the computer rap in the songs. Because she was just like, I'm not doing this shit no more. I quit. She quit in the beginning of, of us recording it. <laughs> so you. And she was a death row too. She started like. <laughs> damn, damn, man. Death row? row really had some good weed, huh? Death row was taking the Niggas with the chronic and said, I ain't going back. Man. I'm really not going back, dog. Ma'am, he cool. <laughs> he cool, but he man, he, he ain't feeling this shit. Man. That nigga be with Prince now, coming back talking about spirits and shit. Man, Snoop, let me hit the joint. <laughs> Damn. What if what yes. if Sugar was bullying him, telling him you don't want to be over there no more? But I do. But I, I want to go, go back home. Can we call Dallas? Put that goddamn phone up. <laughs> Don't make me get them big niggas outside who've been standing outside all day. <laughs> That's why they were so ready to fight, because they had been standing up all day. Hey, man, let's just lean back to back like Forrest Gump. Man. Why you think Shug won't buy no chairs, man? He think we just gonna come down here every day and be goon. He said he like to keep us angry. <laughs> yeah, your feet work, make your hands hurt. <laughs> Who ate that goddamn chicken? <laughs> <laughs> the niggas were so crazy. They would outdo everything. They outplay your basketball. They out rap you. They out gamble you. They out hustle you. They steal your keys. <laughs> Take your car, drive it to North Carolina. Shit, <laughs> while you're in a session. Nigga, it's out of control. These niggas in North Boy, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. They stole Zoom somebody's car went to Zoom North Carolina. Zoom confirmed. They, they, they was wild. Oh, yeah. They was wild. Oh, yeah. They was wild. That's who taught me they how to roll a blunt. They, they taught me how to roll a blunt. When I first, when they, after Lisa left the next day, they looked, little Malie looked at me and said, yo, where the weed at? I was like, little nigga, I'm not smoking no weed with you. You the kid. He's all right. He put his own shit out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he took a blunt and he took the shit and he, he's standing there opening, dumping the shit. I said, what, what the fuck is that? He's like, it's a blunt, nigga. You, you, what are you doing? Said, I'm rolling it. Said, you take the stuff out. And see, you take this out. You're good. And said, All right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Man, this, hey. There's <laughs> so much black history. And that was the first Play month. this shit again in February. <laughs> Just play this the whole month through. Bro, I'm, I'm so fucked up right now. Just finding out that Michael Jackson was an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you said after that fucked me up. He's able to transcend time and space. Right. Just be from over there to over there. Now I'm wondering, if, like, will he come back or did he ever leave? <laughs> Where's he going now? Well, don't you think it's just insane that no matter who comes into this world, 
they gonna sing and know and love Michael Jackson. I don't care. Like it's never been a child that came into the world, a baby, kid, whatever. Like they just how do you still know this? Like they don't they don't they don't come here singing Prince like that or or Elvis or nobody else, but like yeah. every kid gonna have their little time where they're just like, you know. So I feel like his spirit yeah, resonates. If they, if they see it, little kids be watching, like And then people like oh, still dancing like Michael, still like I, I feel like he got like all artists when they get uh, when everybody passes, of course, your, your stuff just gets more valuable because they can't get to you no more. Um, but I feel like that, that this, this, him as an artist, period, just resonates in a way and see nobody really do like that. It's crazy. Right. I've seen Mickey Mouse, <clears throat> people like characters do it, but you haven't really seen a person that resonates like their whole life, like they just stayed one person that whole life. Like, now I gotta go too. home yeah. and watch some Michael Jackson shit just to be like, There you go. You saw it. You saw it. <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> no, nah, Dallas said this nigga can go. <laughs> that was the word, right? Bruh. <laughs> I want to just title this shit Michael Jordan should just make his own Nike. <laughs> Michael Jordan going to get this shit and he might have to come on here and then. You can tell us why. Michael he, Jordan? Yeah. He gonna charge us 250000 To come on? He can. He ain't gotta go. Who much? I gotta put something in? No, I'm not putting nothing in. I tell you that. MJ, yeah, I watch you on the game. You see what they said? They talk about MJ on the Tiger Woods. It's like he started hanging with MJ and, uh, and Charles Barkley. He said he ain't Start know what cool. to say. He said, what do I tell the women? And Michael Jordan was like, told you Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. Stupid. That's the part he left out. Like, you big dummy. He <laughs> talked to that nigga like Fred Sanders. <laughs> big dummy, go over there and get you some pussy. <laughs> what is you doing over hey, there? Watch a pro. Hey, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dallas, Austin. You named after two places in Texas. Oh, man. A name so big, you gotta take up two Texas. <laughs> That's the weed. You know you named after two places in Texas, man. It's named after this, this doctor named Dr. Dallas Moore. Like a word? A, like a spiritual hoodoo doctor. What? Yeah, they call it, it's like down Donaldsonville, Georgia. Like it's like a, yeah, yeah look him up. He's one of those. He'll scratch you with a chicken foot. Well, and you yeah. turn, turn into a serpent. Not that a snake, a, a serpent. <laughs> that baby gonna be a boy. Trust me on that. <laughs> what baby? That one? <laughs> Okay. okay. Look, look here. Put the TLC up. You got the TLC all up. Put the goddamn face. TLC up. <laughs> look here, man. We ain't gonna hold you hostage in here. We damn sure appreciate you this stopping been through. Real. This been too real. I hope Thank you take you, the last time. A motherfucking legend. Hey, Dallas Austin. 85 South Show. We out of here. There you go. Appreciate you, bro. Oh, man. We appreciate that. Man, appreciate it. Appreciate you, dude. Appreciate it. Appreciate let's get it. a picture right quick. To here, let's get a photo. Somebody. Watson. This is what for us, Cody Zuman Mila. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.